run. Here they come, they got the blast on us. The black nerds, blitz are rush. I'll turn that podcast up. Friends from the UK with something to say, just talking about everything. From the wonderful nerding world, the reviews they bring. These brilliant blurs give you the word. All the latest movies, animes, video games, and TV series. Call your friends who don't know and tell them what they're missing. Then sit back and relax and listen to I'm Nano. I'm Big T. And I'm Martin. And welcome to episode 223 of Bloods R Us. So, wow. you know, we kind of done a double recording this week just to try and catch us up. Uh, I've been spending the majority of my time this week either doing exams or celebrating. So I have hardly watched anything. So it's going to be a predominantly mine and Big T episode today. Um, but for anyone that, you know, might be joining us for the first time, we are a Bloods podcast. So that's Black Nerds for anyone that didn't know. Uh, we used to all be basically based down in Gotham, which is what we used to refer Croydon to. But we're all now kind of pretty much in different various locations. We've added Stevie, who's far, far away in a galaxy somewhere. Uh, Mike is down in Watford. T, you're either East, North London, somewhere. I have no idea. And Martin no, is based. And Martin's based down in Kingston. I'm the only one left in Gotham still. Um, but yeah, so you know, we generally are a weekly podcast where we do movie reviews, talk about anime, TV shows, a bit of gaming here and there. Uh, what we've been watching on Netflix, you know, anything of a pop culture variety. That's what we normally speak on. Um, so welcome. You know, we're gonna give you a little taste of what we do um just to familiarize yourself with a rating system if it is your first time we at blurs of us have a very unique rating system we call it the chicken rating system if we think something is absolutely dead it gets bones then it's a quarter chicken half chicken half chicken three piece and if it's the creme de la creme it gets a whole chicken so without further ado big t what have you been up to since you last recorded oh boy um I've got a long list of stuff that I've seen, uh, but it won't take me too long to get through it. Um, basically, we I I haven't been on an episode since before Halloween. Mm-hmm. So obviously, it being Halloween, uh, I've watched a lot of horror movies recently and just a lot of Halloween-themed movies. Like, I watched... Um, even though it's technically a Christmas film, I watched Nightmare Before Christmas like with with my daughter, mm-hmm. uh, obviously because it it's got Halloween in it as well. Um, but yeah, so I've I've pretty much been watching like scary movies, Halloween stuff. So um, I got round finally to watching uh, the Adams Family, mm-hmm. the 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 most recent animated one. Uh, I watched the first and second one. The second one just came out recently. Yeah. Well, the first one um, I liked. I liked the first one. Um, I would just say, in general, I, I, I'm a big fan of Adam's Family. I don't know why. I just really like them. Mm. I like the humor. I like the, like, just, I don't know. Gomez, it, is, it, my <laughs> Gomez is my guy. Gomez and Morticia, that is couple's goals. I don't give a damn what anyone tells me. <laughs> like, they are probably the best couple in cinematic history. 
Like they love each other so much that I've never seen them argue or have a disagreement. Like they have the same interests and hobbies, like torturing each other and shit. Like their sex <laughs> is probably the most kinky sex you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like they just fit really well. And so I, I, I always, I always liked the, the Adams family f- for that as well as a lot of other stuff. But, um, but yes, yeah, so the animated one, I liked it. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. I'd give it a half chicken for the first one. Um, the story was interesting. So, um, like the, the, it's kind of like an origin story as well. You kind of see how they get married, how they move into the house, how they meet Lurch. Um, and then they're obviously living on the outskirts of a town that's like really like, pink and fluffy and just the opposite of the Adams family. So that's kind of where the conflict comes in. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Have you, have, has everyone seen Halloween kills? No, no, I haven't. It's one that I don't want you to haven't. watch because it's a horror. <laughs> it's not though. It's really not, bro. I'm telling you, it's, I, I it's not scary. It. If, if I was going to tell you not to watch it, it's because it's shit, not because it's scary, mm. but yeah, not watching it is still a viable option, so you're not wrong. But, um, all right, basically, this has the same ending as Halloween Kills, in which uh, I won't get into spoilers, I'll just say it has a very similar ending to Halloween Kills, mm-hmm. um, which was which I thought was funny. Um, I think it, um, it has like it has a lot of references to like classic horror icons like Pennywise and. Uh, Frankenstein's monster, obviously beyond just Lurch, but there are actual references to the monster himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncle Festa always ends up with some glamorous hot ting. So, yeah, he's you know that. Yeah, so obviously in this one, he ends up with the woman who is like running the town or, or does like um, does the show, you know, like house house makeover and all that stuff. Yeah, that's, she basically that's, has the, a show that's like in the that. first one. That's the first one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so the first one I'd give a half chicken. Uh, the honestly, the funniest moment in that movie was when Lurch starts singing, like because obviously he always plays the piano and plays the organ or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when he started singing, I think he was singing. Ah, um, oh, what was the song? It was like a James Blunt song or something. It was like uh, I can't remember what he was singing, but it fucking cracked me up because it's he has wrong. like this, huh? It, it, it cracked me up as well because I just wasn't expecting him to have such a good singing voice. Do you know? It's like, and it's so high pitched as well. Even if he had a good singing voice, I'd expect it to be low, like Barry White or something. Yeah. But he's got like this high pitched, angelic voice. It fucking cracks me up. Uh, but yeah, so I'd give the first one a half chicken. Um, I'd probably think kids would enjoy it more. It's more aimed at kids than, say, the, uh, the, the 90s live action movies, I'd say, are more kind of aimed at adults. Uh, whereas this is clearly aimed more at kids being animated as well. Um, the second one, I watched the second one. Have you seen the second one, guys? No, I haven't. I, of, I, of the I new, will, of the new ones. I will, I, I will play catch up at some point, but at this moment of time, Sorry, so, so again? I haven't seen I, it. Have you, have you guys seen Adam's Family too? No, I haven't one? seen it at the moment. I will play catch up at some point and watch some of the new stuff. Oh, I thought you'd seen it. Okay, no, yeah, I, I don't have it on my list, but I just didn't get around to it. Okay, Martin, you say you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Okay, all right, cool. Um, this one I didn't like as much. Um, it was okay. Uh, the story revolves a lot around um, 
Wednesday, which so did the first one, actually. The first one, she was kind of like, she was starting to get into like more girly stuff, like unicorns and flowers and stuff. And she didn't understand why. And I was worried at first, but it never really betrayed her character. She still, she was still Wednesday. She was just a curious yeah. child. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. she was always Wednesday about it, which I thought was funny. Uh, so in the sequel, again, a very Wednesday orientated film. Um, I'll try not to spoil much, Ace, because you haven't seen it. But um, it revolves around her potentially not being at Adams, which I guess continues how she was feeling in the first one. But in this one, um, there's a potential um, different father. Mm. Uh, and they she potentially was switched at birth. So that's kind of the story of this one um i didn't i didn't enjoy it as much i think it uh moved too far away from what the adams family should be there was a lot of like sci-fi in it because the um the other guy who's potentially her father is like an inventor basically like a steve jobs kind of guy um and wednesday loves doing experiments so they kind of um they kind of like have that in common. So that, that's kind of more evidence that makes her think that that's a real dad. Um, the rest of the family kind of take a back seat in this one, even though they're in it. It's like, like Pugsley. I can't even remember what Pugsley gets up to in this one. Um, but yeah, for me, this one was a quarter chicken. It wasn't as good. I didn't really enjoy it, to be honest. Um, yeah. So that, that's my, what did you think about it, Martin? Um, I still liked it because it was the Adams family, but um, you're right. Both of them, especially more so the second one, um, revolved around Wednesday Adams. Um, I still, I still enjoy the story. Um, I, put, I give it a half chicken. In fact, I'll give both one and two half chickens. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I think I'm, again, being, I think I'm being quite harsh giving it a quarter chicken, but I don't know. I, I didn't. I don't remember laughing at all yeah. for the whole movie again except, <laughs> except for one point and again it was when lurch was singing and it wasn't funny at first because i was like well that's just the same joke but it was funny because of the context of it and where he was they were in like a biker gang, gang kind of yeah. bar and then when he started singing and playing the piano all everyone started dancing and it was just it, that's what made me laugh is when the biker gang started getting involved but do you know what reminded me of like, do, do you remember like films like um, um, The Mask, for example, where he breaks out a song and everyone starts singing and that kind of yeah. thing? Like, it's, it's a very nineties thing to do. That's so, true. Yeah, that's why. That's why I I think I liked it. Um, I think with both Anna's Family One and Two, a lot of it does still um, hark back, harken back to the to the movies. Just you know, just the humor they have and things like that. Mm. So I think that's why. Even the see, do you remember the cartoon series as well? Um, yeah that's yeah, that's so kind even, of what the the design of these ones are kind of heavily based off yeah. that cartoon isn't it yeah yeah so that's that's why i give it half chickens um again mm. nostalgia is playing you know a heavy hand in my uh, rating but it mm. is what it is <laughs> i think what didn't help is that after i watched the first one even though i enjoyed the first one i gave it half chicken which is for me it's a good that's a good movie do you know what i mean it's not great mm -hmm. it's not amazing but it's good what I think may have affected my score of the second one is that in between, I watched the two 90s live action ones and the Adam's Family, the second Adam's Family live action movie, Adam's Family Values, 
I never liked as much as the first one. I'd, I'd give that one a half chicken as well. So that one's probably on par with the first uh, animated one that came out recently. But yeah. the original 1991 live-action Adams Family movie is a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> I cannot express how good this film is. And I, I, I've always loved it growing up as a kid. I could quote, I could quote it. I could sing the songs. Do you know what I mean? I could, I could tell you the scenes. But watching it again as an adult, I like picked up on a lot of stuff that I didn't pick up on as a kid. Yeah. And the whole concept, the whole concept of the movie is genius because it's about obviously um, Uncle Fester has like had a falling out with um, Gomez when they were younger, ran away. And they haven't seen him since. Mm -hmm. And now they find this other guy who looks like Festa and his mum. And they're like con artists. So they're trying to like infiltrate and get money and get into the, the vault and and like con the Adams family into believing his uncle Festa and, and giving him the fortune or giving him access to the safe, the vault. And it's hilarious because that setup is so genius. Because every time they kind of discover something dodgy about him, like he's got crowbars and dynamite and cyanide in his backpack, in his in his suitcase, obviously to break into the safe, to poison them and kill them if he needs to. Do you know what I mean? All of this like bad stuff. But when they go through it, they're like, "Oh, crowbar, nice." Do you know what I mean? Dynamite, of wicked, of course. Cyanide, come on, Uncle Fester, like oh, like we'd ever run out of cyanide. Do you know what I mean? Because they're the Adams family, so. The more they see this stuff, the more they like accept him. But then the more he tries to be friendly with them and actually like like do the con, the more suspicious they get of him. So it's a very clever setup, do you know what I mean? And just everything about it is 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 so smart. It, it, to me, that's a whole chicken, that one. That is a whole chicken. Mm -hmm. Um I think um the um it, it builds up as well because again, like he starts to at times, Gomez uh, accepts, like, that's my brother. At times, he's suspicious of him. And then they get to a point where he just outright denies, that's my brother, that's not Festa. And then, so, like, the the therapist lady who is um, uh, Festa's mum, allegedly, who's also in on the con, tries to convince him. And then he says stuff like, he's like, oh, of course, of course, like, I hate him. I'm suspicious of him. This, that, that. Uh, of course, it's my brother, and that that, that <laughs> just cracks me up. Do you know what I mean? Because like, yeah, I, yeah, it's so what he is, the more they accept him because that's just who they are. Uh, the second one, Adam's family values, I've never liked as much. It's still funny. It's still an interesting concept mm -hmm. of um, this woman marrying Uncle Festar again to try and get his fortune. And then she tries to kill him after they get married. But of course, they're the Adams family. So the more she tries to kill him, the more he's just having fun because that's what they love. So she tries to like blow him up, poison him, shoot him. And this is all stuff he does to himself for fun on a Wednesday afternoon anyway. So <laughs> it, it, again, it's a clever concept, but I just don't think it was executed as well as the first one. Um, but yeah, so that, that that's the Adams family for me. Um, the yeah so the, the first animated one half chicken the second one for me was a quarter just wasn't quite as good in my opinion um did you want to say anything else on, on adam's family martin no nope, i'm good yeah all right so that's adam's family what else have i been up to um 
So just to stick with the um, Halloween theme, I watched uh, Last Night in Soho, okay. which has been one of my most anticipated movies of this year, simply because it's an Edgar Wright movie. That guy is probably my favorite living, working director. Do you know what I mean? I think... Um, one sec, sorry, one second. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, to, so to me, he's the—he's probably my favorite living, working director. He's like the the English Quentin Tarantino. Do you know what I mean? Who? And to be fair, it's probably between them two who I think is the best working director at the moment. But Last Night in Soho, really good movie. Um, I don't think it's Edgar Wright's best movie. I think it's actually his—I wouldn't say his worst because that implies it's bad. It's probably his least good movie if that makes sense um i'd give it a three piece um which to be fair is subject to change because with edgar wright movies they have like an unlimited rewatchability and the more you watch them the more you notice and for me the more stuff i i notice in his movies the more it, it elevates the the quality of the movie and and so it could go up but at the moment it stands at a three piece um, it's set in the UK, which is, it's nice to have an Edgar Wright movie back in the UK in a pub kind of setting, which is his, his kind of classic, um, his classic setting. Uh, very efficient movie as usual, like his Edgar Wright is to be expected. The intro fully sets up the tone and style of the film, the character traits of, of the lead uh, actress, her motivations, um, introduces, she's got kind of like this, kind of sick sensibility which i won't go into too much about but it's um yeah it, 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 it's set up really well um she lives with her grandma who to me she looks like really old and feeble she looks dead do you know what i mean and considering she's got this sense that she can see ghosts essentially like is the best way to describe it it's kind of different though but if I could see ghosts and my grandma looked like that, who I lived with, I'd have to check daily that she's not dead because I, I could be seeing her ghost right now. I'd have to check. Every time I saw her in the morning, I'd have to go to her bedroom to check that she's not dead in there. I'd ask her, do you know what I mean? But that's, that's just that. Um, this movie has taken everything Edgar Wright has learned or done throughout his movie career. And it's all in this one movie. So... You've got like the classic Edgar Wright editing. So like, it's like, it's like montage editing where something would happen and rather than show it all play out, he just has really quick cuts of like, like for example, um, in Hot Fuzz when he gets the train, rather than showing boarding the train and doing all this and that, it will just like do a, a zoom in shot of the ticket, then him packing this like closing a suitcase, then the train. That, do you know what I mean? Just really quick cuts of, of the montage to give you the idea of what's happening. That's in here. It's just a lot less frantic, a lot less fast paced. It's more subtly done in this one, which is um which is um what a lot of stuff that he's brought into this movie is done a lot more subtly in this one. So that that editing is just his kind of signature anyway, but that's mainly taken from the Cornetto trilogy. Uh it's got a lot of visuals that are similar to the visuals that he did in Scott Pilgrim. Uh, so there's like a scene in the trailer, you see it. There's a bit 
when she first transitions into the past, because that's what the movie is about, it takes place in two timelines. When she goes to sleep at night, she basically goes to the past and she witnesses the story of this woman in the 60s, kind of this up and coming singer and just watches her story unfold. And it, it gets tragic. It gets dark. Um, and it's very well done because it, 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 the execution of the dream sequences, because that's essentially what they are, even though it's like she, it, it, it did really happen. It's her having dreams. And in dreams, like sometimes you're the person, sometimes you're watching the person. You know what I mean? Sometimes you'd be in one location at a time, at a, a certain time of the day. And then without any time passing or without you moving anywhere, you're now in a different location at a different time. So it, executed that very well um because sometimes she'd look in the mirror and it would be the actress playing this 60s woman would look into the mirror and see the actress from the present day so it's like she is walking around in her body like pov style but then sometimes when she's looking in the mirror she'd walk off and then the reflection in the mirror is still state remains and then watches her walk off so she's sometimes mm -hmm. POV. Sometimes she's watching her. Sometimes she's in in the, the mirrors. Sometimes she's there in person. So it's really it's inconsistent. But that's what dreams are like. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's very. I thought that was executed very well. Uh, there's one scene. It's a dance scene, and in terms of the technical aspect of it, it's fucking amazing. It's a dance scene, and basically Matt Smith's in it. He's dance. He's in the sixties, so he's dancing with this woman from the sixties. They're dancing, but of course, the 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 main actress from the present day. She's like I said. Sometimes she is that woman. Sometimes she's watching that woman. So in this dance scene, Matt Smith is dancing with this woman, and every now and again, it's like switching between the two actresses, but it's seamless. You you don't see the switches happening, and I watched. Um, a little behind the scenes kind of thing on it. And that was all done practically. It was all done in camera. There's no editing tricks or special effects. You literally see them as the camera, as the camera moves, they'll like duck down and then the other one will like pop up perfectly at the right time. And uh, it was just done so well. Um, the, of course, Ace, you know, I love my setups and payoffs again, that's done in here, which is another, um, staple of a uh, Edgar Wright movie. Mm -hmm. But again, it's more subtle. So, like, as I don't know if you're aware, but in the Cornetto trilogy, so Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End, you in everyone. Talk about Cornetto, I'm thinking of Ice Cream, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry to cut you that, off, but yeah. That's why, that's why he called them the Cornetto trilogy, because in each movie, you see a Cornetto, and the flavor of that Cornetto, the color of that wrapper, mm. represents what movie it's in. So, oh. Shaun of the yeah. Dead. Shaun of the Dead is a zombie movie that has the red Cornetto. Mm -hmm. um, Hot Fuzz is about police that has the blue Cornetto. And World's End is about aliens that has the green Cornetto. Uh -huh. So that's why it's called the Cornetto Trilogy. Okay. Um, so what was I saying? Um, yeah, so setups and payoffs. In every one of those movies, in his original trilogy, um, it one of the characters basically outlines everything that's going to happen in the movie right at the beginning. But it's done so well that you don't realize. So like, um, 
all they'll say is like, oh yeah, we'll go to this pub, then we'll go to that pub, we'll do this, we'll do that. And then it ends up playing out exactly like that, but just not in the way you thought, if that makes sense. So there's similar stuff to that. But again, like I said, it's just done more subtle. This isn't this isn't your over-the-top Edgar Wright movie. This is a more downplayed kind of um, Edgar Wright movie, but it still, still has everything there, if that makes sense. Um, and there's like a moment as well. So from Baby Driver, as we know in Baby Driver, that was all about music. And all the music and the sounds were in sync with each other. Do you know what I mean? So the music would be in time with the action that we're seeing happen. That happens at times in this movie. And again, like I said, it's more subtle. So something, it wouldn't be happening all the time and it wouldn't be in your face about it. It would be something small like there'd be like an electric light flickering and you'd hear the buzzing. And as it flickers in and out, that would be in time with the music. Or when she first goes to the 60s, a, a bus drives by and you hear like the bell go ding ding and again that's in time with the music but it's just little things here and there um the design of the ghosts they're really creepy they're really cool they're they're you like i don't think i've seen anything like it before um i think they outstay their welcome after a certain point i think they're a bit overused but the look not only is it cool and creepy but it serves the narrative and and the character I mean, there's a reason they look like that, and it it, it gets brought up later in the movie. So it's quite that is quite clever in that terms as well. Um, Edgar again, especially after Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim, he's known for having amazing soundtracks. I think the music in this, the soundtrack is amazing, but I think it's more the the song choice is a bit on the nose. So with the, like Baby Driver or something, for example, like in that scene where they're in the warehouse and there's the shootout. It's um, that song Tequila. Da -dun -da 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 -dun 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 tequila. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with a shootout. Has nothing to do. You know what I mean, it's about tequila. Yeah. Whereas, but but it suits that scene. Like it's the energy of the song that suits the scene. Whereas in this, again, I can't remember specifically what the songs were, but the lyrics of the song kind of matched literally what was happening in the movie. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like it was a bit on the nose the song choices but it was still good the music was still good a lot of it was from the 60s um but yeah good movie great edgar Wright movie it's not it, it fits in perfectly with the rest of his films i just think this is probably his lowest one in my opinion um i'm not going to get into the ending but there was a climax about there, there was a controversy sorry about the climax and um I think it's stupid. What's but again, we can talk about that once you guys... Basically, feminists have had a problem with the ending of this movie, but I'd have to get into spoilers, so I'm going to leave it for now, and we can we can talk about that another time. Okay. Um, but yeah, just... Um, just I'm going to be back in one second. Maybe maybe move on to Martin, and then I'll, I'll finish off my week after Martin. Sorry, one second. Bye-bye. Yeah, um, I haven't got a lot since um, last recording. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched The Conjuring. Um, we went to a friend's house last night. They said, "Well, I said I don't like horror movies. They thought it would be funny to put on. I mean, they were going to put on a horror movie regardless. So, watch The Conjuring. Um, it's an okay film. What I do is that when I watch horror films, because I don't want to be scared of that, I already predict what's going to happen. 
with the jump scares and yeah. I already sort of ready myself for a jump scare, stupid, like, cheap jump scare. So, um, that was that. But, um, The Conjuring was a, was a decent film. I'll give it a, a half chicken if anything. I'm never ever going to rate, um, horror movies <laughs> that, that high anyway, but I'll give it a half chicken just because, um, the story was okay. I think it's based, it's some of it is based on a true story. Um, yeah. It's, I think, I think on, all the Conjuring movies are based on real events. Yeah. So, I mean, you do hear you do hear recordings of the actual um, the taping sessions that they had with um, the exorcisms and stuff like that. Um, but when I was watching it, um, and it came to the jury and everything like that, and they were making the case that uh, because literally he was possessed, he shouldn't be in prison, or he should be in prison, but it shouldn't be you know such a harsh sentence. And in my head. Just my black senses were tingling. I was going, nah, it was a black guy. They'd be like, throw the book at him, give him the maximum penalty or everything like that for killing all these people or whatnot. So I was just thinking to myself, yeah, not happening. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was, that was fun. Um, um, will I willingly watch another horror movie? Nah. Um, <laughs> unless, you know, unless we're doing it for, uh, only if it's for Bloods or Us. Um, also been watching Dear White People, um, season four. Um, so in this season, it appears that the younger years are, you know, being a much bigger activist. So the, you know, the, the new people, I don't know if they're called soft freshmen, the freshmen are much bigger activists than the characters we already know. Um, and they're a lot more purist than the older cast too. Um, there's also singing in every episode. So it feels a bit more like glee in a sense. Um, now I like musicals, but. I think that the the singing doesn't really detract much from some of the more serious themes of the show, uh, which I appreciate. Um, but it also feels a bit out of place because we've had three seasons prior to it where we haven't had any singing. So now that they're throwing this in, I don't know if it's a new direction they're taking. Maybe it's just for this this one season that they'll be singing and stuff like that. But it pretty much feels like everyone is now onto the final years of uni. So they're now um, talking with people in the outside world. Um, for example, one of the characters um, works in software and he's actually been offered a role at this company, software company for a six figures um, salary. So, you know, it, they're actually sort of going to move on from those characters. It feels that way anyway um, in the show. And uh, lastly, um, I've been playing Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic on the Switch. So this came out on the 11th, so only on Thursday, just gone. And it's a direct port from the Xbox Xbox game, the original Xbox game, slash the PC version. Um, it's all the same, it all comes from one, the, the, the original Xbox game anyway. Um, I, so far, I like it on the Switch. Um, they've made the ports um, very user-friendly. Um, you're able to, with, with the, I think it's ZL and ZR buttons, you're able to cycle around, um, targets around you, whether it's targets for you to talk to, targets for you to attack, or targets to interact with in some shape or form. Um, so that, they've done that really well. Um, they've also removed a few, I mean, I still have to get further into the game, but they've, it also seems that they've removed a few bugs with the game. So everything's now, um, running a lot more smoothly. Um, I played Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic on my laptop, which is a gaming laptop, and I can still feel the bugs in the in the PC version. Um, but on the Switch version right now, everything's running smoothly. 
Um, so yeah, it's really, really good in that aspect. Um, because I've already played the game before on the PC, I can tell you that the story is absolutely amazing. It takes place 4,000 years before the, um, before, um, I'd say the Clone Wars, um, the Phantom Menace, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, great, great story. And I hope they do. I know there's going to be another remake of, um, that's the old republic coming out on consoles soonish i think maybe 2022 2023 um but they need to make more star wars games like this because um you know there's such an amazing series in general anyway um it'd be a shame if you know we just focused or if we just got movies series um so yeah that's pretty much what i've been up to nice yeah all right so is, is it is it back to me then? Should yep. I finish off? Yeah, Alright. Um so yeah, just a couple more horror movies. I I'm not gonna get into these ones along. I just wanted to mention something specifically on each one. Uh they're both on Amazon Prime. One of them's called The Manor. Um I would recommend maybe not actually <laughs> talking to Martin and Ace, these neither of you like horror movies, so I wouldn't recommend it to either of you two. But people that like horror movies, check it out. It's basically, it's called The Manor. It's basically like Get Out, but with old people. So it's like, it's in an old people's home, like a care home. And there's mysterious shenanigans going on. And um, yeah, it, it basically follows a similar um, similar kind of feel and story to, to Get Out, um, where there's like mystery, old people are just dying off and the staff seem to be able to predict when they're going to die. Like there's one time where they're one of the workers is having a conversation and I'm guessing someone wants to put their grandparent in or something. And she's like, no, we're fully booked, but we will have an opening by next week. Do you know what I mean? So they're actually planning for these people to die. Um, and then I'm, I'm just going to say spoilers cause I'm guessing you guys aren't going to watch it anyway. Yeah. Uh, Go right ahead. It turns out that uh, three of the old people um, are basically have lived for like centuries, centuries because they sacrifice uh, the other old people to some pre-demon <laughs> and he keeps them uh, alive. And then at night, they, they're young again. Um, and yeah, so that, that's basically it. That's the manner. I would probably give that to a half chicken, but it's still worth the watch. It's an intriguing mystery, which I've spoiled now. So there's no need to watch it. Um, the other movie is called the midnight man. Now this is basically Jumanji, but a horror movie. So they find this game in the attic and have to do these specific things and then the midnight man is in your house now and you've just got to avoid him from midnight until 3.33 in the morning mm -hmm. uh, and he's just following you around the house you've got like a candle if the candle goes out he can get you but then if you draw a line of salt around you then he can't get you so it's just nuts like that the reason I bring it up though is because in this movie I witnessed probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen anyone do in a movie 
and it wasn't even related to the horror aspect of it. Like that hadn't started yet. This was just their day-to-day life. I witnessed the main character do something so stupid. So in their house, they've got leaks. Yeah. They've got like water dripping from the ceiling to show you that like the house is a bit run down. Now, what do you do when you have a leak? You put like a container, a bowl or something underneath the drips to go in to collect the water. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what she's done. Yeah. And there's, two specific drips that she targets in this scene yeah and underneath one of the drips it's like a jug yeah like a jug and on the floor next to it so there's no dripping in it it's just on the floor next to it is an empty kind of like a vase kind of thing but they're both approximately the same size yeah mm-hmm. but the jug is filled up yeah so what she does, rather than just take the jug away and put the vase underneath to, to continue to drip, she takes the jug, pours the water into the vase, and then puts the jug back where it was, which to me seems like extra effort that you don't need to do. But that's not even the dumbest thing. The dumbest thing was the other drips. So she goes to the next drip, and she's got like a big kind of mixing bowl underneath it. Yeah. Now, that's bigger than the vase, but it's still, it's not that big she probably has to come back to it every so often to again empty it like she did with a vase and what has she got on the floor next to the bowl is this huge bucket now the bucket isn't under the drip the bucket is on the floor next to the bowl that's under the drip and every now and again she has to come in and empty the bowl into the bucket that's next to it now am i wrong or is that not the stupidest thing you've ever heard why not just put the bucket under the drip? Then you don't have to come in every 20 minutes and empty it. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Maybe I'm not like, it's dumb, but to, to witness that happen, like obviously explaining it to you guys is one thing, but to witness that happen, it just amazed me. And the movie wasn't even great. It was okay. It maybe gets a half chicken as well, if that, but because there was a lot of dumb decisions made in this movie, Can, even for a horror movie, like people have to make dumb decisions for the horror to happen. But in this, it was ridiculous. But even beyond that, just that scene with the drips and the buckets and the bowls will, this movie will live on in my memory now, just for that. Like it wasn't even a great movie. Anyway, uh, what else have I been watching? Uh, okay. We've had Halloween. We also had uh, Guy Fawkes night which for the international listeners who might not know, Guy Fawkes Night is the 5th of November. It's a day that we celebrate with fireworks and a bonfire. And it's to celebrate a terrorist trying to blow up the Houses of Parliament. We celebrate that in this country um, every year. And so in honor of that, I watched V for Vendetta, which is uh, based on a DC comic, which is in a way, based on Guy Fawkes, the, the story of Guy Fawkes. He wears the Guy Fawkes mask. He essentially does the same thing. He, tar- he targets the Houses of Parliament to blow them up. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. I forgot how good it actually was. Mm. Um, I didn't realise it was based on a, off a comic. Yeah, I, I knew it was based off a comic, but I didn't know it was a DC comic. It was based well, on a DC mad. comic. Yeah. Um, Hugo Weaving, obviously playing V, is great. You You... Like Dread in the Dread movie, you never actually see his face. He's got the mask on the whole time, but you know it's him. Like just from his voice and his demeanor, like 
you know Agent Smith is under there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but great acting. He he comes across crazy, but methodical at the same time. Like he's ba- he's like the Joker. Do you know what I mean? Like he's crazy, yeah. but <laughs> planned everything so meticulously that like, and he's so smart and well spoken. He, he's insane, do you know what I mean? And Hugo even played that great. Natalie Portman is actually a great actress. Like, I don't think she gets enough props for her acting ability in this movie. She's really good. Um, and I didn't clock, I don't think it's directed, but it's written by the Wachowski brothers. Um, so it's got that. That's maybe why they brought Hugo Weaving with them from The Matrix. Um, but yeah, great movie, great movie. I'd, I'd, probably give it a free piece no, uh, just before you uh, before you continue just to add I've seen a little bit of V for Vendetta yeah. um, it's one that I've always worked to watch it was on TV but I didn't get to watch all of it I came in about halfway through I think it was on Sky Cinema anyway um, V actually sounds like a very interesting character um, he has he does a lot of alliteration with V's so yeah. that's why it is uh, V for, um, for what was his name V but yeah um, I have to agree that I think that the little bit that I saw um, Hugo Weaving did a very, very good job playing uh, V. Um, so I need to, I need to give you know proper respect to the to the um, <clears throat> movie and actually sit down and watch it. Definitely, definitely yeah. give it a watch. I think it's on Netflix at the moment. I think that's where I watched it. But mm. definitely give it a watch, man. It's it's so good. I think you'll enjoy it. And the the reason he's called V, yeah, like the, he does talk in alliterations a lot and he uses the word V. But there's a reason his name's V, and I won't spoil it, but when you watch it, you'll, you'll find out why his name's V, and it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, the more you dive into his backstory, and um, yeah, it's good, man. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. I'd highly recommend it. Um, yeah, uh, what else have I been up to? So, I'm uh, just looking through my notes, sorry. I think I've covered all the films that I've watched. Um, so, all right, so on Disney+, Plus, um, I think... You mentioned Ace recently. This um, Olaf presents mm-hmm. these little shorts uh, where Olaf from Frozen kind of reenacts these classic Disney movies. Mm-hmm. So I watched that. They're only three minutes each. Oh, that's uh, out! Three- I didn't even know that was out. Yeah, it just came. I think I think a lot of this stuff just dropped because it's it's uh, Disney Plus Day as well, mm-hmm. which is the the anniversary of when I guess when Disney Plus first launched. Okay, um, I'm gonna watch them then. Yeah, watch them. They're, they're all right. They're only three minutes each. They're really mm. short. I mean, and that's three minutes, including the intro and the credits and stuff. And you know what Disney Plus are like. Yeah. So they're really short, but they are entertaining, I guess, just because the they don't stick around long enough to get annoying. The only thing that annoyed me is that uh, Josh Gad, the guy that does the voice for Olaf, he can actually sing. Like, he can actually sing. He was in the Book of Mormon when it first came out on uh-huh. stage. He can sing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But in this, he purposely sings bad. Like, when Olaf tries to recreate some of the songs from these movies, he purposely sings bad. And I get it. It's meant to be funny. But it's really, really unappealing to the ears. Like, it really... <laughs> It's like scratching, you know, when people scratch chalkboards, mm. like, no, do you know what I mean? It, it really irritated me <laughs> and that bothered me. But apart from that, they're all right. Do you know what I mean, it's nice to see 
um, these classic movies. Basically, they do Little Mermaid, Moana, Lion King, Aladdin, and Tangled. Yeah, I'm going uh, to give these a watch and um, yeah. give it a quick review next week, to be honest. Yeah, check it out, man. Um, also on Disney Plus, that's just come out. It's a little kind of documentary. I think it's only about 20 minutes. But it's called Under the Hood, and it's a, a little documentary about Boba Fett and mm-hmm. how the the concept first came in and um, like the, the design of him and why he became so popular because I knew his screen time was limited and he didn't actually do much in the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah he was like four minutes. It was like ridiculous. Like. He, he had four lines of dialogue mm. and six minutes of total screen time. Yeah. So. The whole original trilogy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even in the first one. He came in in the second one. But between those two movies, he had four lines of dialogue in six minutes mm-hmm. and became probably one of the most popular characters in the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. Um, originally... He was meant to be a stormtrooper, like a, a, a the like elite stormtroopers, super troopers, and there was meant to be like an army of them. Like the original suit that they made was just a, was just like the test suit, the original design. It was all white, so it was like a stormtrooper. But they didn't have the budget to make that many suits, so George Lucas decided, all right, then rather than that, I'll make him his own character, and you know. The rest is history. Uh, but it's a very interesting documentary to watch, especially considering the book of Boba Fett is about to come out. So again, if you're into Star Wars and you like kind of like more than just the show, like the, the movie or the show, like just the the, the culture surrounding it and stuff like that, mm-hmm. definitely check it out. It's not that long. It's, like I said, it's only about 20 minutes. But it's As a Star Wars fan, I'm 110% watching that. Yeah, definitely, man. You're, you'll love it. You'll get into it. Mm-hmm. And there was it was nice because they they give a shout-out to every actor that's portrayed him. Do you know what I mean? So they start off with the original the original actor who played him, who you never see his face, uh, but he used to go out to a lot of conventions and he had a really good relationship with the fans and he died last year. So it's kind of sad that he literally died just before Boba Fett's real big revival. Like, he never got to see him in the mandalorian and he's not going to get to see this show that's coming out so that's kind of sad uh they also have the young boy who played boba fett in the prequel trilogy um jango fett's son they also address jango fett and then obviously the same actor that played jango fett is now playing boba fett in the mandalorian and his own show so they kind Ooh, of hold on, hold on a second you cut off a little bit for like five seconds Oh, um, yeah, was, I was sorry, the little boy, the boy who uh, played young um, Jango Fett. Sorry, Boba Fett. Boba Fett, yeah. So, yeah, they they, they have him on it, and like, obviously he's older now, but they get his side of it. And then um, the guy who played Jango Fett, obviously Boba Fett being a direct clone of Jango Fett, mm-hmm. is now playing Boba Fett in Mandalorian and his own show. So they have him on it. So they kind of cover everything, the, the whole history of him, which is... Which is good, considering it's only about twenty minutes. It's it's quite quite full. Uh, but yeah, I definitely recommend that. <clears throat> uh, another Simpsons short has come out. It's called Plus Anniversary, so it's just a little short for Disney Plus's anniversary. Uh, it just it's just a little Simpsons short. It's at Moe's Tavern, and they're just celebrating the anniversary. And so there's a lot of cameos from like Star Wars characters, Marvel characters, um, D- Disney characters, and 
it's 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 all right. It's good. Do you know what I mean? It's short. It's the same as that Maggie one that mm-hmm. was in the Simpsons and the Bart one with Loki. Oh, Loki. Yeah. Same as that shit. Like it's not great. It's a bit pointless because of how short it is. I would have liked to seen like full. Do you know what I mean? A minute or twenty-five minute episodes of this, but here's what it is. It's just a little thing to celebrate the the um, anniversary. Uh, but yeah, check that out if you want to. Mm. Um, and finally, um, like I said, it's Disney Plus Day, or it was yesterday. So Marvel and Pixar um, put out this like kind of like highlight reel of um, what to expect in the future. So Pixar didn't have much; it was only four minutes long. There's something called Cars on the Road, which is going to come out. It's a show about that hillbilly car and Lightning McQueen oh, and Mater. Okay. Mater, that's it. It's about Mater uh, and uh, Lightning McQueen and them two. They're on a road trip. So that's basically that. Uh, they announced another thing, which actually has already dropped. It's a short called Ciao Alberto. It's like a spin-off kind of sequel to uh, their most recent movie about the fish monster Luca. people. Luca, that's it. Yeah, so it's kind of like a sequel to that. But the most interesting thing that they announced was a show called Win or Lose. And it was kind of like, you know, the, that um, short circuit stuff that we've been watching recently mm-hmm. yeah. with the different animations. It seems like it's going to be like that. So it's basically about like a tournament or like a, I don't know if it's football or some kind of sports tournament. And each episode is going to be from a different member of the team's perspective. So they kind of showed you concept art of what they're, what they're doing. And it's like in the episode that's about the boy whose dad is the coach, the coach seems like this giant larger than life guy and he looks up to him and he's this big man, like it's his father. So he's literally a giant. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one where like another one of the, the, the members of the team is getting like anxious or nervous and stuff. So she literally like starts melting. And there's one where like um, the star player and he's, he's on target to score the winning goal or something. And you see him like start flying and shooting off into space because he's gassed in it. So it like takes their emotions and how they're feeling and like incorporates it into the animation. And to me, that seems very interesting. So that was probably the most um, intriguing one out of all of them. But actually, before I get into Marvel, there was also an Obi-Wan Kenobi little minute or so kind of thing about... Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi show that's come in. Ewan McGregor was just chatting about what we could expect. Uh, it takes place 10 years after Return of uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith, sorry. Um, he's on the run. There are Jedi hunters apparently out there. He is struggling with his greatest defeat in, well, in Jedi history, really. The fall of the Jedi, the rise of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And he failed, basically. So his last task is to protect Luke, and he he just cannot fail at this. Do you know what I mean? This is their last chance. So it's it's got that aspect of it as well. Obviously, we know we're going to have the Darth Vader rematch. Um, the the actor's back. What's his name? Hayden Christensen is back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, looks good, man. You don't see much of it. Again, just a couple of concept images and stuff, and just you and McGregor talking about it. But it seems very interesting. And I think the woman directing the ho- the whole show. Uh, she directed a couple of episodes of Mandalorian, so she's she's good. Do you know what I mean? I've got faith in her. Uh, but Marvel now, Marvel, they released a 14-minute kind of montage 
tribute to the shows that we've already had and then it moves on to the shows that we're expecting soon and beyond so we got footage from the Hawkeye show which actually comes out soon maybe a week or two yeah um, I think it's that like 20th 20th or something like that yeah of this month uh, so we got footage of that, which seems really cool. There was like this this car chase and it was like one shot. So you see them going into the car and then the car just keeps like like slowly panning around. So you see like them in the front seat and then you see like the, the cars chasing them to the side and then behind them. And it's really like very well done. Um, it seems quite accurate to the, to, um, the comics. Uh, the villains seem to be a group called the Tracksuit Mafia, uh, which again mm. is taken from the comics. Um, but no, it looks pretty good. looks really good. He's, he con- confirmation as well that he's going deaf because there's a bit of dialogue between him and, um, uh, what's her name? The new Hawkeye. And he's like, Kate I Bishop. can't hear what you're saying. Huh? Is it not Kate Bishop? Kate Bishop, that's it. Yeah. So it, it, a bit of dialogue between them and he's like, I can't hear what you're saying. So, Again, that's straight out of the comic. Hawkeye goes deaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it looks good. We also get um, a little kind of trailer footage from Moon Knight. This looks really good. I'm really intrigued by this. Oscar Isaacs looks like he's acting the hell out of it. Um, obviously, Moon Knight has like split personality. He doesn't even know if he actually has powers or if he's just crazy or if he, like, he doesn't know what's going on. And it seems like he might be investigating himself. Like, he doesn't know that he is Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. And so he's investigating this Moon Knight character. And obviously, it's going to turn out it's him. So that seems really interesting. Like, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing that. That sounds really good. We get glimpses of the costume. He does have the full white costume with the cape and everything. You see him jumping across, like, the rooftops of London, um, which I'll put a pin in that but we'll come back to that later on when we review something else. Um, we get footage of She-Hulk, which again looks really good. Nice. We, don't, we don't see her entire self, but we get a glimpse of her and the, the green skin tone and you've got like the white and purple kind of bodysuit looks mm-hmm. really good, straight out of comics. Nice. Uh, like that. Hulk, Hulk is in it, confirmation that Hulk's in it. Like Not Bruce Banner, actual Hulk is in it. Um, and he's smart Hulk as well. So he's talking, he's got the glasses on. It's that Hulk from, from Endgame. Mm-hmm. But his arm isn't in a sling. So I don't know if this takes place before Endgame or if his arm is just healed now. But it'll be interesting to see where this takes place. Um, there's also a quick little sh- shot of her in like her, her, um, like a suit, like a, her lawyer suit and a guy who is not um, Mark Ruffalo, but is someone that looks a lot like him. Uh, and she's saying the classic Hulk line. She turns to the camera. It's all like, it looks like it's filmed on video. It's very 80s looking. And she turns to the camera and she's like, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Mm. And it's really weird because visually it looks completely different to the rest of what we see. So I'm wondering because She-Hulk, is another character who can break the fourth wall. Like Deadpool. In her comics, she she breaks the fourth wall. She's aware at times, I think, that she is in a comic book. Do you know what I mean? So I'm wondering if they're going to incorporate that into the show somehow. Maybe similar to um, WandaVision, 
where each episode took place in a different timeline. Obviously not like that, where each episode entirely takes place in a different time, but maybe there are going to be scenes where they where like that that take place in a different time period or in a different style and that could be like their way of kind of incorporating this breaking the fourth wall aspect of she-hulk into the show without actually having her do it do you know what i mean if that makes sense like she's not going to turn to the camera like deadpool and say something to us but it's going to be they're, they're going to do something do you know what i mean so i mean i'm intrigued um it also looks like she might be able to switch back and forth which again is different from the comics but yeah is what uh the last footage we get is from miss marvel mm-hmm. um and again similar to you know that avengers game that just came out yeah um when it starts off with her going to like an avengers convention that's where she gets her powers the show looks like it's following that same kind of storyline okay uh she's a big captain marvel fan goes to some avengers con you see some energy coming around her she gets her powers not much to talk about about that um a lot of other announcements uh i am Groot, which is like uh i think shorts based on Groot. Um, mm-hmm. Guardians Holiday Special, uh, What If Season 2, uh, Echo, which is a character we're going to see in the Hawkeye show. Yeah. She is, I think she is. Isn't she like deaf. a student or someone? She's, no. Uh, Isn't she the student or the same person that like trains Hawkeye or something like that? No, Kate Bishop is a student of the same guy that trained Hawkeye, which I think is how they end up linking up but no I'm echo, echo, i think i'm echo. confusing things isn't it echo like from that de- in the daredevil storyline somewhere yeah she's, she's worked with daredevil mm. um she, she worked for kingpin so yeah she's 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 linked a lot to daredevil she's gonna be in the hawkeye show uh i think she's deaf as well um mm. but clearly she's done something right because they've already given her her own show mm-hmm. uh loki season two um Oh, this was a big one. This was ah, this was Chef's Kiss. We are getting a revival of the animated X Men series from the nineteen ninety seven. It's going to be a continuation, and I can't fucking wait just to hear that intro. Because I remember the last the last um, episode was when um, Charles Xavier had to be taken to. I think it was the Shi'ar. I think the Shi'ar took him. Um, to also try and try and save his life, so that's the last bit I remember. Um, I was I admit the path was the Shia. I'm trying I'm trying to remember if I if it was the Shia or not. But either way, um, he has a love interest up in space as well, who um, who he shares a psychic link with. So yeah, she came out to help him, and the ending was very hopeful because you had Magneto standing in the um, in the well, yeah, he had Magneto and the other experts standing in the courtyard of the Xavier Institute, just looking up at the sky. Um, mm. So yeah, that was that was a really really good one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, looking, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, continuation of the story would be amazing, man. Just to see where it goes from there. Um, uh, just the, the, everything by it, man. The, the, it was just a perfect adaptation of the comic. Do you know what I mean? I remember when they did the um, Days of Future Past story. It was so sick. Like, everything. Everything they tackled in that was so good. So, yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, I remember, I think, was it you or was it my card that 
put this news in the group before I, I'd watched it, so I didn't even know about it. And someone put it. Well, in it the was group. me. <laughs> it was you, me. yeah. And I was like, "This is sick," because in DC fandom, we just got told that we're getting essentially a revival of the Batman animated series. And that um, that animated series is a whole chicken as well. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, exactly. You know what I mean? And so I remember saying, "All we need now." is the Spider-Man cartoon to come back. And then that's it. My childhood, like, I'm basically <laughs> complete. And so you can understand why I got so excited when I saw one of the announcements. I was wrong, though. I thought it was the Spider-Man cartoon coming back. But it's not. We are getting an animated Spider-Man show or movie for Disney+. Plus. It's called Spider-Man Freshman Year. Um, I thought... Originally, because the you see Peter Parker, and I don't know for some reason I thought it was they were bringing it back, but I looked into it and it's not. What it is is Spider-Man freshman year. It's about Peter Parker in high school. He's just got his powers. He's coming to terms with them. This is and this is canon for the MCU. So this is the Spider-Man origin story for the MCU that we never got in the movies. They're doing it this way, which I think is a good idea. We don't need it in the movies again. We've had it enough. Do you know what I mean? So this is an interesting way to do it. It's animated as well. Um, so yeah, that could be cool. Uh, we also got Iron Heart, which we knew was coming. Confirmation of the Agatha Harkness show. It's called Agatha House of Harkness. Um, Armor Wars that we knew was coming. This was an- another interesting announcement for another show. Marvel Zombies which is animated. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to be a spin-off of that. What if episode, because obviously that ended with a zombie Thanos coming. Mm -hmm. So if the show is about that, that could be fucking epic. And I'm down for, uh, if it's not about that, it could potentially follow more closely the stories from the comics in which, um, the zombies take over their universe and then they've run out of living flesh. So they start going across the multiverse and start taking over different universes. So if they, if they do that storyline, again, that could be fucking epic. Um, and the last announcement made by Marvel uh, was Secret Invasion. And we've got a quick glimpse of an image of Nick Fury. But he's like, his beard is overgrown. His head isn't like cleanly shaved. You see like a bit of stray hairs. It looks really grey. He hasn't got his eye patch. Just see his exposed, damaged eye. So it's intriguing. It makes me think that maybe... Um, so obviously we, we know now that the Nick Fury that's on Earth isn't the real Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's Talos. It's the scroll. But we always assumed, because we saw Nick Fury in space on a scroll spaceship, so we always assumed that that was the real Nick Fury and those scrolls were more of Talos's people. They were good scrolls and so on. However, Secret Invasion is about the scrolls invading Earth. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Taking, taking on the image of superheroes and people and infiltrating Earth and stuff like that. So considering the scrolls are meant to be good in the MCU right now, why would they do that? Especially if they're working with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury. I think that Nick Fury that we saw in the post credit scene of him on the spaceship with the scrolls, 
I think that again is not the real Nick Fury. I think that's another scroll. Um, and all the scrolls on that spaceship are, are evil scrolls and they're on their way to earth to invade. And that scroll is taken on the image of Nick Fury to infiltrate shield and infiltrate earth and, and basically the story of, of secret wars. So the reason that we get this quick image of Nick Fury, overgrown beard, all gray hair, do you know what I mean? Unshaven. I think he's been locked away by this, by these evil scrolls. They've locked him away. They've hidden him away. And now they're coming to earth to try and invade. That's, that's what, that's my theory. That's why things happen. Um, which would kind of hint at the story of the comics, because obviously it's not going to be the exact same, but in the comics, it starts because a spaceship comes to earth and the Avengers go out to like see what's on the spaceship. And then another team of Avengers, but like with the same people. So you've got the Avengers on earth who arrive to see who's in the spaceship, Captain America, Iron Man, all the usuals. And then off the spaceship walks Captain America, Iron Man and all the usuals. So it's like, we've got two teams of Avengers now and we're like, what the hell's going on? But it's not even like one team is scrolls and one team is real. It's like maybe the Captain America that came off the spaceship is the real one, but the Iron Man that was on Earth is the real one. But do you know what I mean? So each team has some scrolls and some real. There was a whole mindfuck. So I think that's how the show might start is a spaceship might land and Nick Fury's going to get off. Do you know what I mean? Maybe he escapes and comes to Earth to warn them of what's coming. But it's already too late. Like the the scrolls have already infiltrated everything. Uh so I think that would be an interesting way to start it. But um yeah. That I believe is my week done. Uh I even managed to sneak in some news there. But yeah, that's me done. That's my week. Alright. Cool. Well, just gonna go straight to the main event for today, which was the Eternals movie that we actually all have to go see together. Me, yeah. Thomas, and Martin. So that's pretty cool. Um, Eternals is. Oh, I don't even know. I want to say it's like the twenty fourth film in the MCU. Uh, yeah, something like that. Twenty fourth, twenty fifth. Oh no, it's a twenty. It's a twenty. It's a twenty sixth film. Because uh, Shang Chi was twenty five. Bloody hell. Okay, so there's a 26th film in the MCU. Uh, this uh, film was directed by Klaus... Klaus? Chloe Zhao, who uh, wrote screenplay with Patrick Berlow, Ryan Fripper, and Kaz Fripper. It stars an ensemble class including Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Kamal, Kamal Nanjiani, Liam McHugh, Brian Tyree Henry, Ron Ridloff, uh, Barry Cohen, Don Lee, Harish Patel, Kit Harrington, Sam Hyde, and Angelina Jolie. Um, this film introduces us to the Eternals, an immortal alien race emerged from hiding after thousands of years to protect Earth from the ancient counterparts, the Deviants. Martin, give us your surface overview views of the film and your rating. Alright. <laughs> so many things get to my head, but I'll try to keep it brief. Um, overall, decent, um, decent film. Um, introduced the Eternals, um, who, for I guess most comic book readers, the Eternals aren't that big because whatever happens to Threaten Earth, 
um, you have us mightiest heroes that already tackled them, and the Eternals for the most part just keep a uh, backseat of things unless Thanos is involved somehow. Um, like for example, where Thanos um, actually does plan to attack them, then they get involved. Um, I think it was good that Marvel are introducing the Celestials because we did see the, I believe you see the head of, no, we see the head of the Living Tribunal. Um, but yeah, I do think Marvel is going in the right direction of sort of allowing people to see more of the comic book universe, um, through the cinematic universe where, you know, we now know about Celestials. Um, I think that, I think the representation of uh, each um, Eternal was was good. Um, I know there was some race swapping and gender swapping, but um, I don't think it matters too much if you're an Eternal. Um, you know, they're beyond human human humanity anyway. So for me, that doesn't matter too much. Um, so I, I, but overall, I'll give it a half chicken. I'd say um, I was re-debating really after we watched the the film where to give it a quarter chicken or half chicken. But I felt I'll give it a half chicken. Um, but yeah, we'll dive more into details after we get everyone else's uh, surface thoughts. All right, cool. T. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with Martin a lot of what he said. Um, I'll just straight away. I'll just say I give it a half chicken as well. Um, I came out of the movie thinking it was a half chicken, writing up my notes and thinking about the movie. Uh, it just kept getting worse and worse in my head. Like, there's a lot wrong with this movie. But I'll get into it when we get into it more. Um, I'll give it some positives. Visually, it's amazing. Uh, the sense of scale of the Celestials, obviously their size and stuff was really well done. Uh, the cosmic aspect of it was good. Um, I liked it for what it was. Um, but it could have potentially been so much better based on the source material. Uh, but again... I try not to judge the MCU movies based on the comics because I've kind of, once you accept that it's not the same universe, like Marvel Comics is 616, MCU is Earth 199999 or something like that. So it's different universes. So, and as we've seen, they take liberties sometimes, they change things. So you can't really judge the movie for that. But with when the changes they made actively make it worse, I think you can address it. You know what I mean? And I don't know, man. Like like I said, visually it was really cool. The intro, like introducing each character and their powers, was it was efficiently done. Um, I liked the, the different flashbacks to the time periods and stuff like that. It was good, but I feel like there were a lot of unanswered questions. There were a lot of inconsistencies and there was a lot of just generally bad decisions made. Uh, but I still enjoyed it. It didn't ruin the movie for me. It was good. It was nowhere near the worst Marvel movie that everyone's saying it is. I think people are just scared to say that that's Captain Marvel. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because the same people that came out and said, oh, Captain Marvel's amazing. Oh, it's great to have a female lead. And oh, it's so good. Isn't it good that she's a woman? Oh, good. But the movie's shit. But they loved it. And now you've got this movie that's not bad. It's much better than Captain Marvel and Black Widow. 
you know I mean? Black Widow, to me, was worse than this movie as well. Mm-hmm. But because they're female leads, all the the critics were, like, sucking those movies' ass and just giving it all the best praise. But then for this, you'd think, like, how diverse it is, all the, like, stuff that they put in it. Like, and technically, it's a female, technically, it's a female lead as well. Like, exactly. It's is a female the lead. It's a diverse cast. There are things that are hap- that happen in this movie that you would not expect to happen in an MCU movie, just in terms like, do you know what I mean? So you, uh, it, it's ri- it's directed by an Oscar-winning director. You'd think that these same critics would love it, but for some reason, they don't. Do you know what I mean? They're saying it's worse, but I don't think it's worse. I think it's got things wrong with it. It's not perfect. It's not one of the best Marvel movies, but it's nowhere near one of the worst. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's a half chicken. Mad. I, I, uh, again, I'm going to get this great here. I love this movie. Um, I, first time watching it, I was sitting at a free piece and then they um, dropped, you know, something that I didn't really see coming um, and added some morality clause. Well, maybe not morality clause, but added some moral dilemmas into the movie, uh, which mm. I really appreciate and how they handled that. Um, and then watching it the second time, some of the problems that I, I had it had with it when I watched the first time, it kind of wasn't there. Um, so, for example, uh, Camille Nanjiani's character, you know, at first I watched it, I thought that he was trying to be too funny. It was a little bit forced. But watching the second time around, knowing the jokes are coming, knowing that how it's going to play out, I still find myself laughing. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And again, I like what it's leading to. Um, one thing I will say before we dive into a little bit more, um, I kind of want Eternals and Shang-Chi to be its own story. I, I Like, yes, they can be set in the MCU, but I don't need them mixing with the Avengers. I don't need them, you know, having a cameo from different characters all the time. Like, I would like the Eternals just to go off into space and just do Eternal stuff. Um, same with Shang-Chi. I would like them for them to stay you know, fairly grounded and just deal with, you know, low-level crime in a sense. Um, mm. Even though in that movie they did start dealing with, um, what do you call it? The, I guess the mis- slightly mystical elements because you had the dragon and stuff and, you know. But, um, yeah, man. Like, I, feel like, I feel like they both might go along the lines of, of Black Panther mm. where they're separate enough where they're... In the, their own movies can be separate, mm-hmm. but they can still be incorporated into like Avengers movies or something like that. Like, obviously, Black Panther takes place in Wakanda, so it's yeah. a whole different location from everything else. That's why it seems contained within its own movie. But then Black Panther can be in Infinity War and all that stuff and, and yeah. Civil War. <clears throat> so I feel like Shang Chi will be similar. Like we we might get a lot more from Talo and all these mystical realms. Mm-hmm within his own movie, but then he can pop up in Avengers if he wants to. Same thing with Eternals. They can go to space. Yeah. Like, I have a feeling we might see some characters pop up in Guardians 3, especially yeah. one in particular, but I'll, I'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I agree with you. I'd like to see it remain its own franchise. Yeah. But I do want to see them interact with the Avengers as well. It's weird. Mm. I, me, <clears throat> me, I think the Eternals should go off and have their own thing within the MCU. They never see them every now and again. Um, 
purely because even in the comics they're not that present do you know what i mean um yeah. they're, they're not they're not in every single conflict they're only in conflicts that even even when thanos um came to came to earth they weren't involved in that one at all um but when that's that was right. on type when it comes to titan and thanos mm. having a direct um impact on them it says that thanos was to um um rule the eternals then they so the artists get kicked into gear then they start fighting stuff like that which makes for a decent story um Shang-Chi however um I do want to see him more involved because with his comics um he is involved with um I think it's hero, either Heroes for Hire or um um if not Heroes for Hire he's part of another group that's um uh, a mostly female group but they are still superhero uh, they are still heroes that go around saving people um and he does have a relationship with uh, Spider-Man. It says that he's his mentor um, when mm-hmm. um, when Peter Parker loses his Spider-Sense. Um, and I think it's something that we can see in future Spider-Man uh, films where Shang-Chi actually teaches Peter Parker how to properly use his Spider-Sense, um, actually train him. Um, so I can say maybe, maybe a cameo appearance like that or... It wouldn't be a cameo appearance, but he'd he'd be there for a little bit, and then it carries on with Spider-Man's uh, uh, story. It's um, kind of set up perfectly for that to happen as well, because yeah, in, it is. in MCU, Spider-Man's Spider Sense isn't like fully there yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that could definitely go down. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So um, my thoughts on the. On the first film, because I'm gonna reel through my my notes on this, and you know, uh, yeah, so if, jump in me, at any me, time. moving forward, gotta be the spoilers for anyone that's not interested in spoilers. So, nice, yeah, go from there. All right, then. So, um, the beginning um, of the film, we see a fight scene, which is pretty good because we get to see um, um, Athena and the other Eternals fight against the Deviants. Um, and we saw a broken spearhead that was given to a boy who was part of an ancient civilization. Um, you know, you know that's no a real. Idea. You know that's a real artifact. Oh, is it? That's real, bro. That golden dagger or whatever it was, that's real. It's in a museum. It's one of the earliest discoveries of, like, that type of tool. Mm. Um, and they're saying like that, like it did in the movie. That is is one of the earliest um, examples or evidence of. Do you know what I mean of of civilization coming? So that's where it all started. Hey. Nice that they that they incorporated that. All right, that makes sense then, because mm. I know in the conversations of the of the Eternals, I think it was um, Festival, he was talking about there being he invented the wheel, and you know they came so much further. I mean, they only came a little bit further after that, um, after developing the wheel. Um, I really like the Deviants' designs. Um, in the comics, they look more ogreish and more. It's pretty much similar to Thanos, except not purple and as big as he is. Mm. Um, whereas in this case, they look more, they're for the most part just beastly looking. So whether they're birds, whether they are some sort of cat or four-legged canine, feline, whatever you want to call it. Um, their designs, and also some that are completely alien to us ourselves. Um, I thought their designs were pretty cool. I think it was a, it was a nice take on the Deviants. Um, also in, in the Eternals, we know that um, the Eternals can't have children with normal humans. Um, 
which kind of made sense as to why, um, again, um, Hephaestus or Festus, I don't know which way near these specifically for him, but, um, he was in a gay relationship, so it made sense that, okay, gay people can't have kids, <laughs> that, I don't know what he kids, so it made sense that, yeah, he's just, that's how he sort of fitted into the, um, into, into society that way. Mm. Um, Thirsty as well, um, she's in a relationship with, um, uh, his name just left my mind, um, he later, he becomes the Black Knight later on. I want to say his name is Dane. Say so Dane. That's it. Dane. Yeah. Yeah. Dane Smith. Yeah. So he, she's in a relationship with Dane, um, who is another very, very important character in the comics. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty. That was pretty cool to see. Um, again, the reason why I give it a half chicken, not even a, a three piece, is because I would have loved to see um, during key moments in the MCU. The Eternals be in there, and they don't have to do anything. They don't have to get involved in any sort of any of the conflicts. But even things like, say, for example, the Battle of New York, um, you'll see maybe a Eternal, or it could be even, say, for example, Cersei was um, was caught up in the in the you know explosions and whatnot, um, and she tried she tried to save people her own way. So if there was some sort of debris falling down, then she'd um, you know turn it to dust or something like that, and then save them. She does a bit. She does things like that in this film, but I would love to see more of it and see how, like, to see how relevant they were or what they were actually doing during the time of, uh, of the attack on, um, on, on, on New York. Um, I mean, it, it could be something like, say, I don't know what happened during the, um, um, uh, during the space race, for example. Um, again, uh, Festos. It's hinted that Festos actually gave. Um, gave out the secret of you know um, utilizing the atomic bomb, which mm. is why Hiroshima happened. But I love to see him actually talking to Einstein and there's another scientist who I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, those two scientists that hit, uh, those two that you know, created the atomic bomb, um, just just things like that. Um, even for a life of me, seeing Athena doing something with war, whether she was a soldier herself because she loves fighting, or whether um, you know, she could have inserted herself into any other sort of form of war. Um, that would be great to see. And we didn't well, they they weren't allowed to interfere, season. though. So I, 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 I don't think that would have been the case. And I think. What do you mean? They're interfering all the time. Uh, yeah, I, in a relationship I, with a human being, Jeez, they're all interfering. Yeah, that that yeah, was, that, but that was after the, that was kind of after they'd been sent off to like do their own thing, though. So it was. That's one of the many inconsistencies of this film to be honest they say that they're not allowed to interfere but then they're constantly giving them technologies and stuff and and do you know what i mean like they're always so, interfering okay yeah, like, it, it, it's hard them. because obviously it's their it's their it's objective a in it objective a was always for them to advance humanity in it and the reason why like they weren't meant to like interfere in wars and stuff is because wars breed in advancement which increases the population so it's more don't interfere in things like that um in terms of like the aid and technology it was meant to be like subtle creations and subtle little hints of like so it's like you don't build them a car but you might like give them ideas of like hey maybe making a will would be a good advantage does that make sense yeah but 
what, that, what doesn't what doesn't make sense though as well yeah like fair enough but in the scene where he's like designing the engine mm-hmm. he's acting like it's a new thing he's just made up but you've got a fucking spaceship do you know what i mean like you're surely your technology like i'm sure he made that spaceship as well because he's the tech guy like nah i think the, the the spaceship was made by um what's his name irishman Oh, you think the Celestial made it for him? Yeah. Well, either way, he's meant to be the tech guy. Do you know what I mean? And and I would assume that they would have knowledge of technology far more advanced than a steam engine. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I they think... were created for the humans. I said, this is yes. what they should be able to do now. So yeah. yeah, that's why. I, I, I get that. He was given mm-hmm. to the humans. And for the humans, it was something new. Mm-hmm. But he was talking to his team of Eternals, like, Look what I've just made. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so, called a steam engine. It's going to be used for this, and th- and it's like, but surely. So I I took it every you know what I mean? time they that shouldn't be new for you. That shouldn't be new for you. Like, I I took it as every time they got reset, yeah, they got configured for the planet that they were going to be sent to. You. So if they went somewhere was a little bit more advanced, he would have you know created a te- help them with technology a little bit more advanced. Um, mm. same way like with Sprite I think that she was always made to be young because you still need someone to relate to the young people of that species that you're with like yeah I, I kind of took that as like a infiltration kind of thing yeah you know? like you say if, if they're okay one thing that was annoying is that they're space robots but we'll just move oh my no, no 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 we will not move past yeah. it no 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 because... no i was gonna come back to it i just meant we'll put a pin in that like trust me, we'll, we'll visit we'll visit the, yeah. the amount of pins i'm about to put in stuff there, there's gonna be a whoopee cushion or whatever like a, a voodoo <laughs> doll full of shit like there's so much but anyway they're robots from space yeah so mm. and they're not meant to age so why do some look like angelina jolie and some look like like Salma Hayek and some oh, look like or, and some look like Sprite you know what I mean but not even that like I'm talking about the actors themselves like no offence to Angelina Jolie but she's old mm. do you know what I mean and then you look at like Rob Stark Icarus that actor's younger and then you look at like Kamel Nanjiani or you look at the lead actress whatever her name was who played Cersei she's young so why do you have more wrinkles than her if you're both just robots that are immortal do you know I what think, I mean? That's the I design. Just, then then I, again, I, like I, you I, said, I, that's very, very minor. No, it's minor. That's a nitpick. Like, trust me, this is the tip of the iceberg. It's about to get real, but that, <laughs> that's, that's, it, just yeah. one, that's a minor thing. But again, it can be explained away. Like, like A said, it could be like an infiltration tactic. Mm. Like, the reason... Because, again, the fact that they're all different races, they all have different accents, doesn't make sense if they came to Earth before there were countries before there were races and accents and stuff. They came before all of that happened. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So why have they got the accents? Why have they got... Why are they, they different races? Well... Do you get what I'm saying? Again, info... Did they stay... They didn't all start speaking at the beginning, though. So, again, it could just be one of those ones. Once they venture and start integrating with society, they're... Nah, they're, they're we probed. see them the moment... The moment they wake up, we see Cersei and Icarus, and Icarus says something to her, like... Oh, I'm Icarus, and he's got that Scottish accent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna take. I'm just gonna take that from Arisham That you know, again, it's all programming. Because the one, the one thing that you know we see that might be 
you know, new later on is that they don't evolve. So he's probably mm. programming them with an idea of what he thinks the that planet's got to be. But obviously things change, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I get it. Again, I, I put it all down to, like you said, infiltration. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. they need to be able to access different countries. And do you know what I mean? So it's a minor. That's the minorest nitpick that I'm going to bring up today. Mm. Like, trust yeah. me. Because it gets worse, but okay. that was just one thing that that I thought of in, in the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, all right. Just just to cover a couple stuff that Martin's mm-hmm. gone through, um, and again, just to link it to the to the comics and how it could have been better. Like, I'm sorry, but the source material is so much better than what we got. And I'm not even the biggest Eternals fan. I don't know that much about them. So even from what I know, it was like. It, it 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 could have been better. So anyone that's an actual Eternals fan, I can see them being really upset with this film mm-hmm. for a number of different reasons. First of all, yeah, like I said before we started talking spoilers, uh, the introduction is efficient. You see every one of their powers on display, how they use them, and, and that it was really cool. Mm-hmm. But in the comics, all the Eternals have all the powers. They don't have one power each. They have all the powers. They can all fly. They can all shoot beams. They can all have super speed. But individual ones specialize in a certain power. Mm. So you have like um, Makari, who who does the speed thing most of the time. Do you know what I mean? Tina and and like do you know what I mean? and, and Druig is like does the mind control thing. So it's there, but they're meant to have all the powers. Do you know what I mean? And in a way, I think that could have been better in the movie. Like, and it's not even like they can say, all right, well, maybe, maybe they have the powers, but they just don't use it. Because in that scene where, um, where Kingo is doing his Bollywood shit mm. and he's like, I'm, I'm playing you. I'm Icarus. Yeah. In the next scene, I'm going to be on a harness because I can't actually fly. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you've just confirmed that you can't fly. So. We know that's not happening. Like in the comics, you can fly. You can do what is shit. Okay. And the the characterizations of the characters are better in the comics than they are in here. Like, Kingo, his power is he's got, like, finger gun lasers, like, I've, <laughs> which is cool for, like, a minute if you're 10 years old. But then it's just weird. Like, like I don't Man know. Man was there standing there. Charge up a special beam cannon. <laughs> listen, you know, I, I loved it. You know I mean? it me of, in the um, comic, yeah. Mm. Ace, listen to how he is in the comics and tell me this ain't better. Considering he has all the powers, yeah, he can fly, shoot beams, yeah. do this, do that. He can do all that as well. But oh, and also he's not he's not Indian or whatever. Camille Nanjiani is in the comics. He's more like Oriental. Mm-hmm. He's more like that kind of Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, in the comics. Despite having all those powers, he chooses to use swords and not use his powers. Just just for the bants. Just for just his gas. Just because his gas. He's got on like a samurai um armor and mm-hmm. he has two swords. And that's how he gets down because he loves it. Mm-hmm. Is that not better than having finger gun powers? I quite like the finger gun powers. It reminds me of um anime. Well, okay, maybe that's why I didn't like it. Yeah, exactly. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like 
the characters and everything had potential from the source material to be better. Even the story of the movie was was dumb, but it, the story of the comics actually does what the film wants to do, but better. Mm. Like, so the whole film turns into a, like, a question, is humanity worth saving? No. That turns out to be the question of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Which was dead. But that's not, that, that's not like the goal of the Celestials. That's not what the goal of the Celestials is. We're going to plant the seed in your planet. We'll let you populate the Earth. That will fuel the Celestial inside you to be born. And then he's going to crack out of your planet like an egg and you're all fucked. Mm-hmm. So that's that. In the comics... All right, we're about to get into a lot here, but... Uh, the, comics, the comics is deep, bro. In the comics, yeah, first of all, Eternals aren't space robots. They no. are from Earth, yeah? They're from Earth. Mm. So are Deviants. Deviants aren't these monsters. They're actual characters. Like, they talk. They're like, 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 like um, Mario said. They're like Thanos. Do you know what I mean? They look more like him. They're not as powerful as him, but they can talk. They're characters. They're not just these monsters that roar and run around like animals. Do you know what I mean? And... Again, they're from Earth. Because what the Celestials do, they go to a planet, in this example, Earth, and they experimented on early, I think it was like an ape, like a monkey kind of creature. Experimented on it. It was millions of years ago. So in the the film, they say that the Eternals are 7,000 years old. That's young compared to how old they are in the comics. They're millions of years old in the comics. Mm -hmm. And um, they experimented on this monkey and through their experiments, branched off three new races, humans, Eternals, and Deviants. That's it. There's none of this, oh, we sent the Deviants first to kill the Predators, but then they evolved, so then we had to send these space robot Eternals, and all of that was made up for this film. And to be honest, in my opinion, it's not as compelling as the the comics. So, they're they're Earth-based as well, yeah? And now, the reason the Celestials did that is that they say, okay, we experimented on, these, on this monkey. We've made humans now. Let's just observe. We just want to watch and see what happens and how they develop and how they advance and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And the Deviants were a mistake. They weren't meant to come out like that. That was a mistake. So then they tasked the Eternals and said, look, you've got to keep these Deviants in check because the Deviants, they're just evil. They love war. They're violent. And the Eternals are like peaceful, kind of benevolent people. And humans are like in the middle. We can do war if we want, or we can be peaceful. It's up to us. Do you know what I mean? So they were like, just observe. Don't get involved. Just if the Deviants come, fuck them up. But like, do you know what I mean? Like, we'll, we'll see, innit? Um, the Deviants get defeated. They go underground and they live underground. And the Eternals, they live on the mountaintops kind of like above and below, do you know what I mean? Heaven and hell kind of imagery. Um, and then the Celestial comes back after however many years to see where the human race has gone and determine if they're worthy or not to be allowed to live. If they're not, then the Celestial just destroys them and then does moves on to another planet to experiment. So nothing to do with the birth of Celestials. Or not. It's literally just an experiment of of them trying to see what's going to go down. Yeah, uh, just just to jump in. Um, also, there have been countless wars between um, 
DJs and turtles. It actually was Celestials. Um, I don't think it was uh, Arisham that time. I mean, it was Arisham. Um, he actually destroyed the, the divas to the point where they were only they only numbered in the thousands, um, and so had to retreat into uh, Atlantis at one point. So Name of the Samaritan actually has issues with the Deviants. Um and then there was the whole. And then you know, continuing on from what uh, T said, was then you know, um, they were given a warning that you have to actually protect them from threats. Otherwise, if I come down, also you're gonna get killed as well because you're on Earth and whatnot. Um, but I think they also mixed in another story in the comics because um, when you look at the Celestials, the Celestials are. Um, yeah, that's in, in, the, in the most non-confusing way, they're not from the original Earth 616 because there was a universe before um, then Earth 616 and then, you know, the rest of the um, multiverse. So um, you have Eternals who are basically um, just these entities who are able to just live for, um, basically for forever until they're killed. Um, um, anyway, my, my, my point was that... Um, with Galactus, Galactus is a very, very important part of this of the Celestial story because he actually goes around feeding on plants with the with the Celestial egg or Celestial seed. Um, again, it's to regulate Celestial numbers because otherwise Celestials will have no real natural um, predators in in a way, uh, so to speak. Um, so I think they try to merge that story with what we see, which is why we you know Tiamat, who's actually Tiamat for one, is actually one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful celestial ever. So how they managed to stop him from being born, I don't know. But basically, it looked like they tried to merge two stories into one, and it wasn't. The, the, at times, the film thought felt a bit confused because of that. Um, so uh, yeah, T, do you wanna do you wanna uh, carry on? It wasn't confusing to me, but maybe because again, I don't have as much knowledge of the source material as you guys are, so I just took Africa's face value, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's fair. Um, okay, um, just to, just to move on, I'll um, I'll give a bit a rundown of the uh, Eternals' abilities. Um, I liked each of the Eternals' uh, manifestation of their abilities, so. Cersei has mass manipulation, Festus is an engineer, slash inventor. Um, so, sorry, as yeah. you go through these, I mm-hmm. just want to explain how some of them are pointless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cersei, her, her matter manipulation was used for two things. One, to stop things falling on people. That's it. Yeah. Stop things falling on people, turn it to flowers or dust. And the other thing was to change what the floor was. That's it. <laughs> no, I thought when she um put the people in the shelter and then turned the sh- shelter into like steel so the deviant couldn't get it, that was okay. pretty smart. I forgot about that one. All right, that was that was cool. And then obviously later on she started to evolve and she started to um be able to um actually um change things that are living material. Yeah, I didn't like that though, because I hate it when someone's like, Oh, my powers are limited, I can't do that. And then someone's like, you can, you just have to believe. Well, no one said that, I though. I do believe. No one, she did no one said that, though. Bro, that's basically what happened, man. No, she was desperate and she just 
touch the thing and hope for the best. And she was forced to And then when she, got the, when she got the that little bull thing that made her the leader, mm. and she was like, I don't know how to communicate with the celestial. And it was like, well, just do it. And she was like, okay. And then she did it. And I'm like, but... No, again, you know, you no, 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 no. You're, you're not watching the film, man. Or you're not paying attention to the film, man. Basically, you know, sometimes okay. like when, let's say, for example, um, oh, I, I, I'm trying to put in like real, real people's terms or something that I know that situation that you found you would have found yourself in. But like, let's say something like if you're you're studying for an exam or something, and like you're going so hard on it, yeah, and you're trying to learn your lines or you're trying to learn what it is, but like. Because you're putting so much pressure on yourself, yeah, you're not actually taking anything in. Sometimes, you know, stepping away from the situation, going for a break, and coming back later on, and like, you know, composing yourself. And that's all he's, all he was saying is like, maybe like, stop trying to speak to him, and take your time and listen. And that's why she went and sat down and like, kind of went into like a, a meditative state and was just like listening to the environment, where she was then summoned by um, Arisham. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so nah, you're being too harsh <laughs> on it there, because again, I think that's you not paying fully attention to what was what was said and what was going on. Yeah, um, Ajak, uh, leader of the Eternals, and she communicates with Arishman. Mm-hmm. Um, she does have healing, healing powers, and I think to some a bit to some extent she was able to control the Eternals. Um, I don't know whether that was an authority or actual power. Um, you have Icarus who flies and shoots beams out of his out of his uh, eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, right, able to. I think this is light manipulation because she's able to um, uh, create um, illusions of other people, create illusions and whatnot. So I think it's actual um, light manipulation rather than actual inherent ability to create copies uh, and things like that. Here's mm. my um, thing about her. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's an eternal. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. meant to be like one of the most powerful beings in the universe. She's got the powers of illusions, but she can't even trick some drunk guy at the pub at the bar. He saw through her illusion just like that. Some drunk guy at the bar. Well, if it's yeah. if it's if it's, 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 it's no, because it's, it's, it's not it's not like a Kage Bunshin, isn't it? Because remember, like if it, like, I'm taking this, I'm taking this to Naruto, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> every, every, pretty much everyone in Naruto can do shadow clones, isn't it? But yeah. the difference with Naruto Shadow Clones is that, in a sense, they took physical form and could yeah. also, like, retain information in it. So she's projecting an image. She can't actually create a physical image. So if you swipe to her image, it will disappear. So the drunk guy went to touch her hand, but obviously her hand is not where her actual hand is, in it? Because she's projecting her arms to be longer because she's a child, and that's what yeah. passed through it. But if you're 7,000 years old, you should know that about yourself. So when he reaches over to touch you, move your hand. Well, like, she, was being she, she was being stupid, isn't it? She is stupid. That's my point. They're all stupid. <laughs> anyway, I'm just having fun as well, by the way. Like, I <laughs> um, Drig has Michael <laughs> which he's um, not allowed to use. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he used it anyway several times. I, why get, okay, this is my thing as well, yeah? I'm sorry to just keep interrupting you, yeah? But the Eternals are created by the Celestials to be the most powerful beings and defend the Earth or whatever. In the mm-hmm. comics, like I said, they all have all the powers, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Why would you, as a Celestial, create a team that don't have all the powers? Why would you say, all right, you can have super speed, you can have illusions, you can have mind control, but you're not allowed to ever use it because I want them to have free will. You can do this by... Sh- do you know what I mean? Why... 
why not just give all of them all the powers? Do you know what? So in the actual comics, right, they all share some abilities. So yes, Icarus is the only one that's able to fly. Um, yes, um, Festos is the only one that's able to... Um, no, they can all fly, bro. Engineer stuff. Oh, yeah, sorry. All right, so, all right, so fair. So they can all fly then, right? So yeah. they all have shared abilities. However, they have some abilities which others don't have, which is, for example, mass manipulation and stuff like that. Not all of them have ma- mass manipulation. But yeah. this movie did a poor job of even showing that. It showed them more that this is just the box. that They put everyone into a box, basically. This is your skill set. Yeah. That's it. This is your skill set. That's it. Um, like the Eternals team, yeah. this could have literally been a team more powerful than anything we've ever seen in film. Yeah. You know what I mean? But essentially, all they've done is just make them the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Like, the Eternals, on the level, are more powerful than the Justice League. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're, each member of the, of the Eternals team is Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, imagine having a team of Superman. That's the Eternals. But then they, they, they like, by taking away their powers and only... I get why they did it, because it's the movie. You need to streamline stuff. They can't all have all the powers. You want them to have individuality. But they do. In the comics, they do have individuality because even though they have all the powers, they specialize in specific things. So, like, they can... They can all... Um, maybe not all of them, but I think, like, a lot of them can, like... They can all do... Basically, they can all do everything, but they specialize in certain things. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. So they could have gone with that. Like, even with that Camille Nanjiani bit where he was like, oh, I'm coming in on a harness because I can't fly. They could have still had that joke, but he can fly. He just can't fly in front of these humans. Do you know what I mean? Because he's meant to be incognito. So Mm. it could have even been even more funny to see him on a harness knowing that he could just fly if he wanted to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So you also have Gilgamesh, who's uh, super strong amongst the Cernal. Um, I could create gauntlets with energy. Um, you have that was pretty cool because um, sorry against interrupting, but I I recognized him, but I was like, who is this guy? And Ace made me realize it was the guy from Train to Busan. Yeah, the sick man. Yeah, was jokes uh, yeah. because in Train to Busan, he's the same guy. Who and he even, arm wrap. Yeah, do you remember when he wraps those things around his arm to fight the yeah. zombies? So yeah. that, that that made me laugh. That was quite cool. Um, you have Bakari who has super speed and is mute. Mm. And then you also have um, uh, Kabil Najrani's uh, character. Um, King, what was his name again? Kingo. Kingo, Kingo that's the one. Kingo, who was firing um, balls from his fingers. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to say this now, yeah, and I, I mentioned it to you guys all in person, yeah. I have to be a hypocrite here. Um, what's, her, what's her name? The Bakari. Yeah. I absolutely loved her character, and supposedly in the comics she's meant to be a white old guy. Um, um, not really old per se, but definitely, um, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that might make you feel a bit better, Ace, mm. um, and I didn't know this, I, I just found this out, but recently in the comics, because uh, both Makari and Ajax in the comics were men, mm-hmm. whereas yeah. in the movie they were both women like Ajak was Salma Hayek and Makari was that um, the black chick mm-hmm. the deaf chick uh, in the comics both those characters have gender swapped in the comics yeah, yeah. 
kind of like how Loki did when he went when the, after Ragnarok, Loki came back as a woman. I think mm. Loki, yeah. Similar thing, similar thing happened to those two characters. Uh, it turns out Eternals, they they can, I don't know, in their when they get rebooted or something, or if they die and come back, they they can potentially come back as a, as the as the opposite gender. So in the comics, Makari is a black chick now, and I think she is deaf as well. Mm. So I don't know if they did that in preparation oh, for this movie. Yeah. Because uh, also Ajak as well had a gender swap as well in the comics. So he is um, now a she. I'll say this though. In the comics, what's happening now is that the comics is now trying to follow the MCU a lot more closely. Um, mm. I, think, I think it's more the Ultimate Universe that's doing it because the Ultimate yeah. Universe um, black um um, oh, what's it called? Um, Samuel, Samuel Jackson's characters and likeness to, uh, or they've they've borrowed Samuel Jackson's um, um, likeness for um. Oh my gosh, is they just is they just um, slipped my mind. I'm the director of Shield. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's, it's following that. Um, it's following the MCU a lot more closely, which is why you start seeing characters getting changed around and whatnot. Nick Fury, flipping hell. Um, so yeah, you start seeing this um, characters get changed, whether it's a uh, gender gender uh, swap or whether it's um, a race swap or something like that. You'll start seeing that in uh, the ultimate um, line of comics. Um, <clears throat> so I, in my notes, also have the Eternals didn't fight Thanos because they were instructed to fight only deviants, which doesn't make sense because the operation would have failed ha- um, had Thanos actually, you know. Um, like literally blipped out all like um, was it half the life on Earth? Well, so it, would, it just delayed things. Not really failed. It would have, but it would they they it would be a failure on them because the Celestials have been specifically told to protect humans. So again, all right. So so comic comic books that's a failure. In this in the in this movie, it's fine because we'll just delay the inevitable anyway. Mm. Um, but again, I'm. From the side of the comics and seeing how some things just don't work, oh, it would be better if they followed the original source material closely. Um, we get that the Eternals have, or the Eternals are aware of other beings, like um, Thor, for example, he's mentioned. Um, the Avengers are mentioned as well. Um, a few more events are mentioned there. So we know that the Eternals are aware of other beings. Um, in the comics as well, the Eternals are aware of the whole pantheon of gods. Not just the um, the Viking gods, but uh, gods of, say, I think it's even like the Bible. Um, you have um, all the Hindu gods as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, the Greek gods, the Egyptian gods, um, that kind of thing. So they are all aware of each other. Um, in so fact, in, in fact, I think recently. Hmm. It came out that the, um, cause like the same way in this movie where they're like, okay, all the, the Greek mythology that you know about, it, it was actually just the Eternals. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. All the Eternals. So like Athena, the goddess of like, of, uh, war, war wisdom. Or and wisdom, that was actually just Athena. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, well. and so on. Yeah. And, and Ajax, Ajax was yeah. Ajax. Icarus, Icarus as well. Icarus. Um, but 
apparently in the comics, mm-hmm. uh, again, I didn't know this, but apparently recently um, it was hinted that the Asgardians mm-hmm. may be kind of semi-eternals as well. Like it was the Celestials that basically it's because of the Celestials that the Asgardians are like how they are, like immortal with these powers and everlasting life and stuff. Yeah. Was more celestial intervention. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's the just, whole that's Greek... That's what's in everything. Yeah. Yeah. The celestials of... Even... Even... Um, scrolls. Mm-hmm. Scrolls, are, scrolls are deviants. Scrolls are deviants. Yeah. Scrolls yeah. are the deviants of their planet, but they won. They defeated their Eternals, took over the planet, and now they have this empire, which, again... Like I mentioned earlier, the fact that scrolls are good in the MCU doesn't make sense when you consider the source material because scrolls are deviants, so they're naturally evil. They're naturally war-seeking, a war-seeking race, which is why they have an empire across the galaxy because they just go out and war people. Yeah, um, after they almost uh, killed each other in the in the civil war. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so. So there are bits that, I mean, for example, the Eternals acknowledging, um, acknowledging, you know, other gods and stuff like that. I think that was really good for the MCU. So at least people knew that it's it's still a Marvel movie. I mean, it's not just a Marvel movie, but somehow connected to the MCU. Um, mm. Which is why, again, I don't mind if the, the Eternals specifically, I don't mind if they go and do their own thing and it's just happening in the background of what's happening on Earth. That I generally don't mind. Um, I feel like it was the because they all throw away characters at the end of the day. Even in the comics, you don't yeah. really see much about the Eternals. Only um, a few of them really matter. Yeah, literally. I mean, you get a few of them that do interact with Tony Stark, for example. I think Cersei interacts with, with Stark, and Stark tries um, hits on her, and uh, actually tries to sleep with her a couple of times. So yeah. that's funny. Um, so the Celestial story deviates a bit from the comics, um, only because Ego calls himself a, a, a Celestial in... Um, in um guys guys and yeah. guys but when we look at when we see uh celestials celestials all have this massive you know this massive body and stuff of like that with uh cosmic energy um in them which is why they have their suits to uh stop the energy from escaping so it's weird that ego granted he was um you know a seed was dropped onto uh, onto a random planet and then he became alive, which doesn't make sense anyway because there's no intelligent life there from what we've seen anyway. Mm. So him calling himself a celestial may be a bit of a a misnomer or just raises questions as to why he would call himself a celestial if he's not actually celestial. The Um, best explanation that I can come up for that is that he is a celestial but his planet never developed sentient life so he never grew into the celestials that we see in this movie he had to like adapt because remember he said he was just a floating brain out in space Mm. and then he had to like work this planet around him and come up with this uh like human-sized body to go out and i do think it's interesting that even though he's not a celestial like what we know from the comics or what we've seen in this movie Mm. he still had the instincts to drop off seeds into other planets. Do you know what I mean? So they are, there's, there's similarities, but he's not a celestial in the way we would, we know it. 
I think he's either a different kind of celestial or he just didn't develop properly and had to adapt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's something that would definitely need to be answered. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, so going back to Eternals, Icarus is supposed to be the leader of the Eternals. Uh, he does get displaced a little bit in time. Um, but he is supposed to be the true leader of the, of the Eternals. Um, so again, I mean, I liked how they worked that, you know, that he was, he ended up being the bad guy in inverted commas because he mm. wasn't really the bad guy. He was just doing his job that he was told to do. To be honest, he was right. Like, I don't understand how anyone could, well, I, I do, but I don't see why people can watch this and be like, like, yeah, do you know what? Humanity is actually worth it. Like, the amount of shit yeah. I've seen in the last two weeks about what people have done on this world, yeah. Like, if again, I, I would sacrifice this planet in an instant to create more planets and hopefully, you know, spawn places that have sentient beings that, you know, are just mm-hmm. not stupid. Like, but then that's, but then that's my point. The, the storyline of the comics is that it's specifically that he comes back. Arashem in the comics is called Arashem the Judge because yeah. he judges the, the civilizations of the planet to see if they're worthy to exist. That's the point of the celestial. That's what they do. It's nothing to do with planting seeds in planets and being born and busting out a planet like an egg. Mm. So if they stuck with the comic book story, it would have fit what this nah, movie but is I, I, I like even more. No, nah, but I liked what they did here that, you know, again, we don't know where this is going down in the long term, but I like the fact that it was like, you know, birthing Eternals creates more life. Hmm. And then without yeah. the perfect, I'm not perfect eternal, sorry. Perfect celestials creates more life. And without celestials, yeah. eventually the world will just die and there'll be, there'll be nothing exists. And mm. again, it's like, like, like I said, when we, we spoke, it's like, do you kill one person to save a hundred? Or, you know, is that one person's life more valuable than a hundred? Well, in my opinion, sacrificing Earth and having, you know, a billion more universes and galaxies being made is far greater because like, especially if you've been on this planet for 7,000 years watching humans and watching all the bullshit they've done over that period of yeah. time, yeah? And yeah. you still think they're worth saving? Nah, fuck off. I stand with Icarus, man. Icarus was right. But, but that's you know, the but, thing. But, that, that's... One sec, one sec, one sec. But oh, God. what I don't understand is that, so when, in the beginning, when they were explaining what the deviants were, they said they created the deviants to basically kill predators right mm-hmm. yeah. surely the predators would have evolved into another into you know a race and blah blah, blah, blah whatever so it makes no sense it just it just defeats the purpose of saying that oh yeah this, the celestials are uh, you know planting seeds and blah blah uh, to create life or whatever anything like that but at the same time they're actually destroying life already existing on that yeah planet. because that, that so it's it's, uh, it's kind of like it doesn't a, make sense it does it <sighs> I can't, I can't remember what the word word for it is, but you gotta you gotta break some eggs to make an omelet. Yeah, is that is that it? That. So, so, but, but so not, no, no, not, not, not just that. Yeah. Ah, oh, there's a, there's like a, a ecological word for it where like you introduce new predators or new new animals into a certain thing to kill off. Oh, I can't yeah. remember what it's called, but it's basically dying it. So for for sentient life to you know start being produced on that planet let's say for example the deviants had to come and kill all the dinosaurs to then make way for humans and then mm. remember he said he lost control of the deviants so maybe after the deviants had killed off the you know the predators that needed to be killed he would have just told the deviants all right now die but unfortunately that didn't work that didn't work sense. out yeah 
it still doesn't make any sense. Because you mean to tell me, so how do you, so you mean to tell me that to, in order to create intelligent life, right, you need to wipe out off predators, right, and predators who are, I'm sure, intelligent in their own right, right, and if, when they evolve, they will evolve into, um, into beings that are already intelligent in the sense of, well, I'm, I'll compare it to human beings and stuff like that. So it makes, it, that, that, that's, that's illogical. Well, cl- clearly, cl- clearly in this Marvel universe, those be, those animals aren't of the, right uh, makeup to make to birth new eternals I mean not new eternals new celestials and that's why they can't be created they, they can't be used again without knowing like all the ins and outs of how all this shit works here that's like the surface levels that we could take from in it like literally predators, predators need to be killed by the deviants then you know life finds a way and births you know sentient creatures yeah, it still makes no sense because all right so here's what i'm saying that makes no sense right so what so all right cool so they wipe out all these predators and inverted commas mm-hmm. they make their designs or whatever mm-hmm. then they end up having say human-like beings which uh human beings eventually evolve from right so at what point is this is this new thing they've introduced intelligent? Do you know what I mean? That's why that's why for me it does make sense because te- you just replace one thing with nothing that's still not intelligent until you deem it intelligent, until you deem it worthy of commas. So <clears throat> that's why it makes no sense for me for for this premise of oh yeah we're gonna wipe out life on this planet already. They create more life on it. No, 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 because no, the life was the, 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 the life was already there. It's the predators were killing them, so the deviants were brought in to kill those. So yeah, but what, what I think, what I think Martin's saying is that by doing that, they could be delaying the the um, the emergence. They could be delaying the moment when the planet has enough sentient life on it to create the sen- the um, the celestials. Because if they just left the dinosaurs to their own devices they could have evolved into sentient beings. But by killing them off mm. and then starting again with with humans, you're potentially delaying it. Do you know what I mean? Well, again, it's one of those ones where we... It, it's not stated whether the dinosaur species was the en- had the right energy in the first place. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the energy is from the... I mean, the, all right, so going by the comics again, I mean, everything's made out from, say, basically space dust, right? So, yeah, yeah, comics, comics, so obviously, comics, yeah based on that, comics, yes, you would so, assume so, it. In terms of energies, it does, it, that, that's, that's why, again, it's, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Hmm. Um, so, um, a few more, um, gripes with this, with this film. Um, when we saw Icarus's betrayal of Ajax, and we saw that we saw his anger and shame in what he'd done. They could have done it in a much better way than given a whole one minute scene or one minute cut of him just doing the deed, flying Ajax off into into um, mm. the place where she was found and blah blah, and seeing him seeing his face actually obviously disturb what he's done and whatever. Right? It didn't. Mean, I, I really don't think it needs to take a whole minute just to see that um, to see that scene. It, for me, it was pointless because we already knew what he did. Really knew what ha- that he was conflicted because of um, his relationship with Cersei and whatnot. We saw that he didn't really wait. I'm not sure. Maybe he did kill one of the Celestials. Um, he didn't kill. He, did, part, he didn't kill a Celestial. He killed. Well, after after killing after killing after after you know um, killing uh, Ajax or saying Ajax something to be killed by Evans mm. um, and whatnot. Um, you could tell that he was conflicted. They could have shown the conflicted him being conflicted in other ways rather than just a wasted one minute scene I think um, 
there was also a very very questionable sex scene which was absolutely pointless <laughs> going, on, going on from the from the comments of the director this was a female director but i think there were other directors yeah. involved in this which is why for me some things did fit in so and she was saying that she thinks it's important that um there's a, a sex scene in the mcu and i'm thinking okay fine if there's a sex scene in the mcu can you please make it put it into context right for example i could talk about game of thrones and sex scenes in game of thrones right? a lot of people say that oh yeah the sex scenes in game of thrones are absolutely pointless and blah 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 but i'm thinking but in context that's what people used to do, do that people mm. would not go, go 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 off to wars fight and blah blah they might not get they might not get um they might not be uh, seen ever again or whatever. So they, they were going to have happy time together and then mm-hmm. whatever happens, happens. And if they come back, they're like, yeah, obviously they're horny or stuff like that because they haven't seen a woman on the battlefield in, or uh, they've seen a woman in ages, blah, blah. So what, so Eternals can't like, get happy time, no? You get happy time, but it's pointless. We know we're the reason of there being a sex scene. It doesn't move the plot along at all. Exactly. So it's that's, why, it, that's why it was a throwaway scene for me because it doesn't. Yeah, it's, uh, sorry. Yeah, that's why it was a throwaway um, scene for me, just because. Yeah. And <laughs> and like you said, the comparison to Game of Thrones. In Game of Thrones, it serves a purpose. Um, Game of Thrones, a, a, a term was created for because of Game of Thrones mm. called called sex position. So you have exposition which is when two characters kind of explain stuff to each other yeah. get information. That's exposition. Sex position is when you have exposition, but during that conversation, they're either in a brothel, so there's like naked ladies and sex mm. going on everywhere, mm. to not distract you, but while you're taking in the information, you're also getting nice visuals. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah. it serves a purpose. To make when they do deliver exposition, it's not just a boring scene of two people sitting there talking to each other. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in this, like you said, the director came with an agenda. She wants children to see sex scenes. Yeah. yeah. She believes Marvel needs sex scene. That's the one thing missing. We need some boning. Like it's just it was just weird, man. And it wasn't like you can do a sex scene like subtly, like you can have them like lie down together and then the camera pans off to the sunset or yeah. I mean something, but there was thrusting in this. There was actual pelvic thrusting. Not, not that we saw. It was a vigorous one. It was, it was very subtle. It was, it was enough. It was enough. It was movement. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and for, for, a, 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 for a franchise that, yeah, we are adults and we love it, but let's be real. The target audience are children. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. to put a sex scene in it, I think, is a bit wrong. Yeah. Even, George, George, even even if um, the the target audience are all adults, right? Even if they say, okay, MCU, all the films we have, we've done is targeted at, say, young adults, whatever, right? The very fact that the MCU don't see sex scenes in the MCU, um, but you do know that characters love each other, they hold hands, they kiss, and everything like that. Do you know what I mean? They do stuff off of camera, whatever. Mm. Tony Stark has a dog. Tony Stark yeah. has a dog. He must have fucked. Yeah, but exactly. we don't see exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, again, this is, this, this is something that I actually took away from the MCU for me, um, which is I, I read actually affected my score, because, like, my rating of this, because I just thought, why? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, um, one thing I actually did like about um, 
about this one as well was that uh, Camille Nanjiani's uh, character, um, uh, so Kingo, signed BTS for the film or for the film that he was shooting um, in within the um, within the Eternals film, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Jimin and V from BTS, the actual members of BTS group did one of the songs for the Eternals so it was a bit meta because okay. he mentioned BTS and yeah, it actually coming on film and then they actually did a song for it so I thought that um, I thought that was a really good drop um, and lastly for me on my notes uh, there's, there was a lot of talking but no real explanation so the amount of times that they spoke to each other throughout the years or whatever just go through the motions or whatnot. um and even after meeting, um, even after sort of dating with Cersei and then the diva attacking and whatnot, um, the majority of the film was talking, um, you mm. know, during, during the forest and everything like that. A lot of it was talking, but there was no, nothing was really being explained. Um, so again, that took a lot, um, away from this. Um, and lastly, we see, obviously, we see, um, another eternal from Titan come. And I'm thinking, okay, so they're now just going to move away from Earth and do their own battle or whatever. And we're not getting any more explanations about shit on Earth, which actually matters. So, again, I'm going to give them a half chicken. Mm. Well, what, 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 well, the other shit on Earth is going to probably be explained in other movies because the only next thing that is remained on Earth, really, is um, the Black Knight dude. Yeah, yeah. so... I uh, yeah, I was gonna say that the whole Black Knight thing. I don't think that's gonna um, continue into any more Eternals movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it could do because he has the relationship with Cersei, but I think so. We're talking about the post credits now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Dane Whitman Dane. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He Cersei gave him a ring earlier in the movie, which had the the crest like a symbol on it yeah which was actually his family oh is it his family or yeah it's his, 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 his family his crest family, his family crest so he then looks into his history and gets discovers this sword mm-hmm. now they also mentioned cersei tells him you need to talk to your uncle and something like that yeah because in the comics his uncle was the previous black knight okay yeah. his, uncle, his uncle died and and they inherited a castle or something from him and within that castle was the sword and basically the sword is like Thor's hammer mm. when you hold the sword you get the powers like you get enhanced strength durability stuff like that and when it's at its full power you get a whole suit of armor over you mm. um, but it's similar to Thor's hammer you need to be worthy to wield it but it doesn't work the same way like Thor's hammer you literally can't pick it up if you're not worthy. The hammer won't allow you to do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the ebony blade, mm-hmm. anyone can use it, but if you use it with evil intent or you kill people with it, the sword gets a bloodlust and that affects the user. Mm-hmm. And so you become corrupt. And the more you become corrupt, the more you use it for evil, the more you kill, the more it, the, it corrupts you. So it's like, yeah. you, then it starts snowballing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In, in addition, sorry. Um, to in addition to that, the sword also has the ability to heal you, so you don't necessarily need to um, um, sort of eat or be aware of you know, for example, you being hungry, um, <clears throat> you you having a, a, a mortal wound because it will, the sword will heal you. So what ends up happening is that people fall into this trap of just fighting anyhow, like a berserker, basically. <clears throat> um, 
not realizing that actually the sword is also not just feeding on the bloodlust, but it's also feeding on them. So yeah. it, they end up dying basically with the sword in hand because they've uh, succumbed to the. They don't basically they don't realize just how weak the body's becoming whilst we're on the sword. So only select few people can uh, use it, like T has said. Mm. And um, and so during this scene as well, because I got confused at first when he went to touch it, it looked mm. like it was organic and were like moved towards it. Really yeah, because it saw a shimmer, um, it saw sort of like waves or yeah. in, the, in the blade. So I thought it was the the other sword. I can't remember what it's called, but is it the ne- the necrom something the, 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 the sword that that, that, that mm. war the god butcher uses? I thought it was that mm-hmm. because that's more like a symbiote kind of thing. But it's not. It, it was the Ebony Bear, which makes sense because, you know what I mean, the character becomes the, the Black Knight. Yeah. Um, the voice, we then hear a voice of someone off screen mm-hmm. saying, are you sure you're ready for that? Yeah. So when we came out, we speculated over who we thought it could be. Mm-hmm. But the director herself has confirmed who it was. Yeah, that is um, Blade. It was Blade, Mahershala Ali. Mm-hmm. So technically... There were two ebony blades in that room. <laughs> That's um, such a bad joke. Yeah, I, I just don't I don't I don't understand the importance of blade being there though because um, as you tell, like in a, in the comics, I know that Blade and Dane Whitman do um, are involved in some way, but I know Dane Whitman is is also on adventures with the Eternals and stuff like that. So he's actually not on Earth for some of the stories. So mm. I don't well, know I think- how we're the two together. Yeah, they they don't have much history together, so it was a bit weird. But they they both was on the team at one point, I think called MI sixteen or something like that, which mm. was a British team because in the comics Blade is British, Blade's Blade's English in the comics. Mm-hmm. Oh, All uh, right, yeah. So him, Black Knight, Moon Knight, who again we've just had the trailer for. Um, I think maybe Doctor Strange. Werewolf by Night, who again we've had an announcement that that's oh, Werewolf by Night, yeah. So that we could have that team. Do you know what I mean? We could have this British Avengers, essentially the MI16 or whatever it's called. Maybe that's why Blade came to him because um, maybe th- that's how the team gets put together. I don't know. Or he he maybe it has links to because we've also had a lot of mentions of vampires in MCU recently. Thor Ragnarok, there was a mention of vampires. And even in this one, Camille's character says um, something like his his camera guy thought he was a vampire. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. They are ramping up this vampire thing now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, that's the only connection I can think of from the comics between the Black Knight and and Blade, was they were both on that team at one point. Um, and it just seems coincidental that a lot of the other members of that team are coming out with their own shows and stuff soon as well. So could lead to something like that. That's why I think the Black Knight might not be in future Eternals movies. Mm. Maybe he's going to be in the Blade movie that we're getting. Mm. We also got Morbius coming soon, which again is Sony, but it's all links now. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, while we're talking about the post-credit scene, we might as well talk about the other one, um, the mid-credit scene, the first one. First of all, um, if if 
the Celestials, because basically Cersei is talking on the phone with Dane or something, and then you see the clouds part, and Arishem's there, and he like summons them up into space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then takes them. If he has the ability to do that, I'm assuming he can do that to the Deviants as well, because they created them. Why not do that? When the Deviants start evolving and turning and killing people that they're not meant to kill, why send the Eternals? Why not just remove them from the planet altogether? Because I think he still needs the Eternals there to help them aid with the evolution. Yeah, yeah. Put them there for that. But they don't need to go down there and, and fight the Deviants if you can just remove them from the planet. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's just one of those ones where it just, it boosts things, isn't it? Same way, like... I think it was one of those ones where they wanted action scenes in the movie hmm. and they know in the comics that Deviants fight Eternals, but in the context of the movie, it made no sense and it was unnecessary. Also, it was purely coincidental. The fact that the Deviants are coming back now and the fact that the emergence is about to happen was purely coincidental, had nothing to do with the other thing. Mm-hmm. Like... They were just frozen in ice this whole time, and they're coming back now. Why now? Because obviously, the with global warming and uh, things heating yeah. up for the emergence. But but it's a coincidence. Do you know what I mean? Like the emergence having having a certain population of sentient life on a planet mm. doesn't mean that they have to pollute the planet. Doesn't mean global warming is definitely going to happen. Do you mm. know what I mean? Mm. You could have sentient life on a planet that have that don't use fossil fuels and that don't pollute the planet and do you know what I mean use do you know what I mean yeah so it was purely coincidental so which means it had no effect on the story so and also when the deviants came back they had evolved right yeah but they were frozen in ice all this time no they evolved when they started the the main one absorbed the power from Sam as um uh that was the evolution they couldn't do that before the evolution was now i can take your power oh it's because they said this one's different no i'm saying they said this one's different he's got the healing power now he's taken ajax power he took um gilgamesh power they couldn't do that before so Mm. that was the evolution but that happened while they was frozen in ice doesn't make sense Mm, yeah i see what you're saying anyway so the mid credit scene, they get taken up, and then while they're on the spaceship, well, uh, actually, actually I'll, I'll take that back actually because we would never, we would never know because if they never encountered that, you know, version of deviants before, they wouldn't know that, would they? Wouldn't know what that 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 there was a particular race. They wiped out every deviant. Well, not if so those deviants were already wrapped up in ice before they got there. I don't know, man. So you're telling me that because we don't, don't know, we man. don't know when the deviants were sent to Earth, in it, but yeah. we do know when the Eternals were sent to Earth. Yeah. So obviously, the deviants, that set of deviants, could have been frozen before the Eternals turned up, and may have had that ability from whenever they they evolved, in it. But they, then again, that is is purely coincidental. So. Every single Eternal that had the ability to take their powers got frozen. And and they never encountered another one that could do that from 7,000 years. 
about the whole history of them fighting deviants well never came across any other one that did that well normally because i guess the deviants weren't that strong they would normally get the kill them quickly whereas in this situation Simon Heights character got caught slipping from behind didn't it mm. hey listen don't say Salma Hayek get caught slipping from behind because that makes me think of something. <laughs> You're not serious. <laughs> anyway, all right. So the, the, the mid credit scene, yeah? Mm-hmm. Pip, Pip the troll turns up, which was nuts. Like, to see him in live action on screen was nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. Voiced by Patton Oswald, which is cool. He's done a lot of voice acting recently. I like that actor. Um, and they also hint at uh, Pip the troll's powers. So in the comics... He's got the power of teleportation, which mm-hmm. is how they end up on the ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, his other power is he can locate anyone in the universe. He can just know where they are. So again, that's how they manage to find them. That's mm-hmm. how they know where their friends are or whatever, where, wherever he said they know where some people are. Mm-hmm. That's why, because that tip to Charles Powers. And in the comics, he is like um, like a partner, a good friend with, with Eros. Um, so he bigs up and then introduces Eros, who is the brother of Thanos. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a as well. Um, he is actually one of the most powerful Avengers, uh, a member of the Avengers team. Cause he does, ju- he's not a permanent member, but he, he comes and goes, mm-hmm. but he is probably one of the, if not the most powerful Avenger there has been. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, Eternals aren't meant to be able to, to breed. Yeah. But, so the Eternals on Earth, basically some of them remained on Earth, some of them decided to leave Earth mm-hmm. and go out into space, and some of them ended up on Titan and, and colonized Titan. So um, the, the population of Titan, they're Eternals as well, essentially. Um, and so when you have two Eternals have an offspring their ability is enhanced tremendously and then not only that if you have two eternals from different sections of the universe Mm -hmm. and they get together and have offspring they're even more powerful like it's off do you know what i mean (laughs) that's why thanos is so powerful and eros is equally as powerful if not more powerful Mm. um thanos obviously being obsessed with death comes from Greek mythology. Thanatos is the god of death. Eros is the Greek god of love uh, and passion or something like that. Yeah. So you can imagine what Eros's power is. <laughs> Basically, he's got the power of rape. That, I'm, not, oh I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. And this is a good guy. This is a hero. His power is he can affect um, the, the emotions of others, uh, he can control like empathy and stuff like that. So he can end conflict without having to throw a punch. He can just make both sides see each other's point of view and empathize and end things. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He can turn up somewhere and just make everyone within a radius of him just feel good and just like be euphoric. But mm-hmm. he yeah. also has the power to make people get sexual. Like, yeah, simulation is a power of his as well as emotional bridges. Yeah. So he goes out and he like, he max, like he, he tears down, like he gets it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that does come up in the comics. Like they're, 
he kind That's of has a, named uh, Eros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he kind of has a Me Too kind of situation, yeah. and uh, he has to kind of like repent for that but that that's his power so it it kind of makes sense that harry styles was cast as eros because eros is a fuck boy and harry styles was the fuck boy of one direction it's decent casting in my opinion at first it threw me off and i'm pretty sure anyone that's like not a comic book fan who's going in and hears brother of thanos oh shit like who, what is this guy going to look like? And then they see Harry Styles walk out. You're going to be like, what? But yeah. And again, the reason Thanos looks like that is because he is, again, he's an eternal, but he has the deviant gene. He, ha- he is affected with something that I think was called the deviant syndrome. So it's very rare for an eternal um, to be born with the deviant gene. But Thanos was. That's why he looks like that. And and obviously Eternals and Deviants are at constant war with each other. They hate each other. So Thanos' mum, after he was born, literally after he was born, was gonna stab him up and kill him. Just because he was a de- like he had that deviant gene and looked fucked up. Mm-hmm. But they stopped him, allowed him to live, and he was actually a peaceful guy when he was younger. He was a pacifist. He wasn't like how he is now. Um but again that would have been interesting to see in this movie. Do you know what I mean? Or potentially in the next movie, we could get more of Eros and Thanos and more information about um, Alars, who was their father, who yeah. was an Earth-based Eternal, and their mother was Zeusine or Suk, something like that. She yeah. was a Titan Eternal. So, again, that's why Eros and Thanos are so uh, powerful. Sweet son. Sweet son, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Eros, Eros and Thanos actually um, are the same power level, I think. Um, once a year, apparently, they call a truce to meet and exchange gifts. So, yeah, that, apparently that's mm. interesting. Mm. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it will be interesting going forward. This, this is who I was talking about saying that I think they might pop up in Guardians 3 was Eros. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, Guardians 3 is... is probably going to have a lot to do with them finding Gamora, right? Because Gamora from the the past came to the present and then at the end of Endgame she ran off and went off to do her own thing and um, Star-Lord was looking for her. When Thor came on the ship, they was was going to go out and look for Gamora. Eros, if he's Thor's brother, he's Gamora's uncle, essentially. So it would be interesting to have him in the movie. Uh, Maybe she tracks him down or he finds her because like i said pip the troll can locate anyone in the universe Mm -hmm. so if the guardians are looking for her pip can just be like boom she's there do you know what i mean yeah that that could be interesting um but yeah i mean that whole thing that they have about um eternals not being able to interfere unless it's with deviants Mm mm-hmm kind of falls apart when they ask, well, why didn't you fight Thanos? And then they're like, oh yeah, because we're only meant to fight deviants, but Thanos is kind of a deviant. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Also... It isn't really a deviant because he didn't... Right, so, 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 so the way it works is that he wasn't experimented on the same way as to create a deviant. He's technically a mutant, but 
it just so happens that he looks like a deviant. Mm. He, has the, he has the he has the deviant genes. You know what I mean? He's not. He doesn't have the X gene that that <laughs> developed later on in 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 history. No, even even humans. No, even humans are technically sub sub um sub deviants. Um, it's 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 all a very confusing thing. So basically, yeah. deviants, and then humans are basically deviant. They're basically um, deviants to the sense that they have the deviant gene X gene, uh, but the way it manifests itself, um, it manifests itself into things like, um, um, for example, you have the um, oh, you have a group of mutants who hide underground because of their physical deformities. They um, they basically um, manifest that that the DVG was supposed to look like that, um, mm. and that's why that's why humans are a bit weird. And, that, and so with Thanos, it's not right to think he's a deviant because technically he comes from non-deviant parents. And it's not a gene that's designed to just turn on randomly within Eternals. Um, mm. So t- he's technically a mutant rather than a deviant. It just so happens that he has deviant features, which is why he's incredibly strong. Uh, mm. Even amongst even amongst the strongest um, uh, Eternals, mm. um, yeah. Just while, while we're on that as well, though, uh, I'm ne- I'm nearly done as well. But I think that they did the deviants dirty in this movie because, like I said, the deviants are characters themselves. Like they talk, they have personalities. They're not just these monsters. And the leader of the deviants is someone called Crow. And yeah. he, whereas the deviants, like with the Eternals in the comics, they have all the powers and they look like these sexy god people. Whereas the deviants, they only, none of them look the same. They all look like nasty mutated things, creatures. And um, they, they don't have all the powers. Like they may have like one power each. Crow, who was the leader of the deviants, he has. He kind of has two powers, uh, which are kind of hinted at in this movie, but it's just it was nothing compared to what he's like in the comics. Um, in the comics, he uh, he's a shapeshifter, so even though his normal form, he's like this purple guy with horns and looks nasty, he can shapeshift, so he can make himself look like a normal man. He can make himself look like a sexy man. He can make himself, do you know what I mean? And he can infiltrate humans that way. Um, which is kind of hinted at in this when every time he absorbs someone's powers, he, he changes. Do you know what I mean? So I guess that's kind of a hint at his shape-shifting powers. His other ability is he can heal. He has control over uh, every molecule in his body. So if he's injured, he can heal himself, which, again, the first power he gets from the Eternals in this movie is Ajax's Ajax healing power. Though, again, that's a nice hint at his comic book counterpart, but it just wasn't done well, in my opinion. And also, the last thing about Crow, in the comics, he actually has a relationship with Thena. They actually have a relationship in the comics at one point. So I thought it was funny, when when it came down to Thena versus Crow, I thought she was going to start to see his point of view, because he was like, like, we're not, like we were used by the celestials as well do you know what i mean like we were hunted and killed you hunted and killed us and i was starting to feel sympathy for the deviants like raw maybe they're going to do like what they did with the scrolls and make the deviants kind of sympathetic and 
stuff like that. Like maybe they're still evil. They're going about things the wrong way, but you can see why. But then uh, they just fuck <coughs> that off. Lena just sliced them and diced them like fucking trunks to did to freezer, and it was done. His story was done. That's it. Done. So I just thought it was funny that they have a relationship in the comics, and then in the movie, Lena's the one that kills him because, of course, like bitches be crazy, man. Like you know. Yeah. T, you've cut. <coughs> oh, T, you've cut for me. Has he cut for you, Martin? Yeah, he has. Yeah, so it's it's it's, it's him. <laughs> oh my dear, sorry, I was trying to, I was on mute because I was trying to avoid not coughing. And you failed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hold on. Two yeah. seconds. That's no, right. All right. So we're back. T's back. Stevie's joining us back. Um. Uh, Stevie, what's your quick seven reviews and your rating? And then we'll let T wrap up and then we're going to call it a night. Yeah, uh, so this is, I'll probably give uh, Eternals a, a three piece. Um, it was much better than I thought it would be. Um, it, I really enjoyed all the, the dialogue and all of the character development. Um, and it, yeah, it was like two and a half hours long, wasn't it? It was yeah, quite it was, like it was, a long yeah. movie. Yeah. And I, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't at any point feel like I was getting achy or anything i was kind of like really kind of engrossed by the whole kind of story and there were i mean there were a few bits where i was a bit like a little bit about them pulling including it in the mcu i almost felt like it needed to be a film outside of the mcu just on its own um because of the kind of like grand scale of the celestial that came along and appeared and and was like coming out of the planet and I don't know. I probably was like at that point, you'd have thought that some of the existing Avengers were, or some of the existing superheroes from the MCU might have turned up at that kind of event. Um, but I don't know. It, it was still, I still enjoyed it. Um, still enjoyed the whole kind of the what the sort of the big big bad was and what the big plot was. Um, I did find the the deviant sort of that was sucking people's um all of the powers out of or the life out of the various different um eternals i I thought that was a a bit of a side plot that could have actually been utilized to to create a bigger bad or or i don't know they could have like teamed together with that deviant and realized you know because they were realizing that they were all from the same kind of they were from the same place weren't they they were almost like the same thing yeah, um, I think Thomas was uh, either just talking about that, or that was the point he brought. Yeah, is he still here? Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, what 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 point? That you were talking about, about the deviants and the Eternals, probably um, like realizing that they were being used by the Celestials and kind of teaming up. Yeah, I, I, I like that, <coughs> and I thought they could have done a lot more with that, but there was too much in this movie already, and. I feel like as long as it was, like you said, Stevie, I didn't feel the length of it. It didn't feel like it dragged on at any point, but I still feel like considering how long it was, there was still not enough time to do everything justice. Like a lot of the characters, I'm going to say some positive stuff because Stevie, you didn't hear, but I, I've kind of ripped it a lot, but I did enjoy it. <laughs> like I gave it a half chicken, which to me is, is, is a good score, but it wasn't great. It was good. I enjoyed it. There was good moments, but there was a lot of inconsistencies and stuff that I I found wrong with it. But in terms of positives, all the acting was great. Like 
Angelina Jolie smashed smashed it. Like doing that whole thing with the the mad weary. Um, oh, that was that was a great kind of thing. But again, that's it felt like that could have been they could have utilized that to make a a really interesting plot twist and yeah. um, but in line with the deviants and. I don't know. Like at one point, they were talking about this hive, this this mind, this omni mind, yeah. and I was almost thinking, "Oh shit, are they all going to realize that they've got to sacrifice themselves to this deviant so that he can have all of their powers in order to defeat? Like he could be the one who could defeat the uh, the celestial or or whatever." Um, <laughs> that, that would have been cool. That... Anything, anything they could have done, anything with it, and it would have been better than doing nothing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, the the fact that she just sliced and diced him up. Like I was saying, in the comics, that guy, Crow, he's the leader of the Deviants. He's so much... He like He's an actual character in the comics, and he's so much better than this. He he has a relationship with Fina. And so to mm. see, to see the, the final showdown for Crow was against Fina, I was thinking, maybe he could convince her and she could see his point. And like, like how Wonder and Vision their relationship blossomed maybe we're seeing the beginning of their of, of crow and mm. Fina's relationship but then she just sliced him up and that was it it's done doesn't matter you you we started to feel sympathy for you no matter you're your swiss cheese now you're done like you're finished and i just thought like it ha- kept happening a lot of the characters in this as great as the was this guy really gone again he's gone <laughs> oh Wow, he's wow. gonna come back speaking really fast again. He's gonna come back and he's realized that we're done. Yeah, Tim, we're like, like Camille. You cut out. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I was just saying, Camille Nanjiani did good, did really good eyebrow acting when he was doing the Bollywood stuff. Um, but oh, he just fucked off at the end. I, I actually was like, um, in the massive kind of like showdown, coming in and out of the. Movie. I was like a lot of the camera. T T T, yo yo, wrap up like wrap up because you keep cutting in and out and it's shit. Alright, I'm, I'm gonna wrap up and then I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to leave because my phone's just fucking up right now. But basically, yeah, uh, I'm just gonna list off a couple more stuff. I thought it was funny that Icarus flies into the sun at the end mm-hmm. because it didn't need to happen. They clearly yeah. did it because his name was Icarus and they were like Icarus has something to do with the sun and also he was referred to as Superman at one point and they were like. I guess Superman is related to the sun as well. Let's just fuck it. Let's just have him fly into the sun at the end. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, that was Like that was him showing remorse for his actions and wanting to kill himself. And the only way to do so was to fly into the sun. That actually made sense. Yeah, or he's gonna come back um, supercharged. Unbeknownst him. I, T, you know. T, thank you for joining us today. We will speak to you next week. <laughs> Is he, is he even gone again? Oh shit, that's terrible. <laughs> that's absolutely awful. Alright, T, we'll talk to you next week, man. Have a good week. Have a good evening. Um, yeah, Martin, final thoughts? Um, final thoughts, a lot of things that, um, a lot of missed opportunities, um, a lot of um, uh, things that didn't make sense or didn't add to the, to the scenes or to the movie. Um, but it was a decent watch. Um, I don't think it's the worst MCU movie to come out. So yeah, good, a solid uh, half chicken for me. Uh, I know Steve, you only just for the last little bit. But any final thoughts that you want to put out there? 
not really. Just um, did actually enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. Mm. My final thoughts is that I love anything where there's like a human morality dilemma and the fact that they had mm. to decide whether, you know, humanity was worth saving over potentially having, you know, mortal universe to be created. I really love the aspect of it. And the fact that I wasn't able to tell who was going to be the person that betrayed them, um, even though going in, I knew someone was going to betray them, but I really thought it was going to be Jerry's character, even though as it was going on, it was so obvious that it was going to, like, they played that part so obvious that I knew it wouldn't be him, but I was still surprised when it was Icarus. Um, yeah. yeah, that's it. The episode is a wrap. Guys, thank you for joining me. Um, obviously, the Big T's already been kicked off the call because his signal was just being absolutely abysmal. Uh, Stevie, say bye to the people. <laughs> bye, people. Martin, say bye to the people. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Next time. All right, guys. Bye-bye now. <laughs>